We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I want to start with this, and we're going we're gonna to morph it into a little bit of a, a different conversation, but uh, Seth Walter, was, he writes for ESPN. He's in the ESPN analytics department. He's very, he's very good at his job. And he was making a prediction. Except for in this case, but go ahead. Well, I mean. Go ahead. I can disagree with a lot of what he had to say, and I can be fine with that. I like his work on an overall basis, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not, but go ahead. All right, well, I want you to hammer him then. He says, if I were Cleveland, am I really running it back with Watson and potentially wasting this roster again? The problem is the Browns' alternatives are severely limited given Watson's cap number and their lack of first-round picks, which they dealt to Houston to obtain Watson. The idea he has, quote, I could at least imagine the Browns as a long-shot Justin Fields destination because it can be acquired without a first-round pick and wouldn't take up significant salary cap space. There's a couple questions we're going to do off of this. I guess Daryl... How ready are you to be done with Deshaun? We both know that this is not realistic. I, so I'm not even going to have you entertain that portion of it. Why do you think I'm sitting over here just rubbing my face in disdain? Well, I can tell you're almost insulted by the fact that we're bringing it up. I Yes. But it is hypothetical season, and it is silly season in many. Hey, listen, if two weeks ago people want to go down a road of, do we cut David and Joku? Then I think a I think a Deshaun Watson conversation could be on the table. Oh, there was someone that uh, said that the Browns should trade Deshaun Watson and swallow a $200 million salary cap hit this year. And he's a former GM. Yeah, Mike Tannenbaum. Yeah. Uh, also ESPN employee as well. Yeah. Now, I, I will not stick so up for him. So what does that say about ESPN employees? They come up with some of the dumbest stuff you'll ever hear. I don't think that's exclusive to ESPN employees. Well, this is true. I, I come mean, up I, with some pretty dumb stuff myself. I, I think we all are uh, guilty of coming up with some pretty I mean, pretty we have some hosts here to do that. We had a guy yesterday on this station say Mark Price should be an MVP and is as good as Steph Curry. I bet if we farm that one out to the NBA community, we'd probably have a <laughs> lot of people thinking that there's some dumb, dumb statements coming out of this area. But uh, this is the time of year that you do this, right? This is the time that you, a year that you can get away with some of these comments and you can have some fun. I'm ready with these for some things. Nyquil. Well, if, if, <laughs> I get it. I love this stuff, though. I mean, knock me the you-know-what out. Let's go. You know, sports radio used to be built on the foundation. It's like a bunch of buddies at a bar hanging out and having a bunch of conversations, right? My my issue is is that I I deal in this little world that I like to call reality. uh, And Well, if we're going to work together for today, I need you to jump ship on that reality thing. And I need you you to get on board with what I'm dealing with here. Maybe it's the NyQuil that's got me today. I don't know. Here's the thing. It's not realistic. You're not bringing someone in that's going to be able to take Deshaun Watson's job from him. Period. End of discussion. Here's why. They have already spent $92 million. Of course. They have nothing to show for that $92 million at this point. 
they still have to spend another, I'm trying to do the math in my head here, uh, it's well over $100 million on Deshaun over the next three years. They, There's no question that this year is a pivotal year for Watson and figuring out, okay, is it going to be a sunk cost or not, mm-hmm. okay? I understand why the conversation's out there because, again, not enough, not a lot to show for the 92 that's already been spent. And you got 46 you got to pay each of the next three yeah, years. Yeah, we're 40% now. through this contract. Right. To me, the conversation about sunk cost really shouldn't happen until we get through this upcoming season. Because I think this upcoming season is going to answer the question for you. I agree he's, with that. He's either going to play at a level that is worthy of the contract, right? Mm-hmm. Or he's going to play at a level where, or not even be available to play. And we don't want to go down that thought process. We don't want to put that out there, right? Because uh, you don't want to see anyone get hurt. But unfortunately, his injury history is what what you know what it is, uh, and he hasn't played a full season since 2020. Um, He's not going to play. He's not going to be at that level that's worthy of the contract. So then you, that's when you'll say, yep, we're just going to have to bite the bullet here and it is what it is and prepare ourselves to move on. But this year, 2024, it's all in. It's not about, hey, yeah, let's, if we can get Justin Fields for a sec, our second round draft pick. You know what they need with that second round draft pick? They need a linebacker, they need some defensive line help. They need uh, possibly uh, offensive line help. They need a wide, definitely need a wide receiver. They need like four, five, six, seven other things. Yeah, yeah. Not name Justin Fields with that second round pick for this year because that's what it's it's all about. Keeping those chips in the middle of the table for twenty twenty four. You're all in. Right. The and- hand has been dealt. This roster, for the most part, pretty well set. The cornerstones are all set. So I mean, look, I get it, but. If this was 2025 and Justin Fields was available and we're in this situation, 100% I'd be willing because now I have the, the data of what Deshaun did. Right, in, and, and in the answer, three. I think, would be clearer. Right, yeah. Sure. I, I, I'd be all for entertaining a discussion. Okay, should the Browns think about bringing in another guy that could possibly replace Deshaun and, and whatnot? I mean, we were having the conversation uh, before the show about Jedrick Wills and the situation they the Browns find themselves we'll in. We'll talk about that at 320. You know, with him, right? So... We need one more year of data and information and performance, whether it's good, bad, average, whatever, from Deshaun before you can really have this conversation of, well, now's the time for the Browns to go out and start looking at other quarterbacks and trading assets to bring in a guy that can come in and possibly replace Deshaun because it could be a sunk cost, but we don't know if it's a sunk cost yet. I just I think we're one year premature on the conversation. I get the premise. I agree with that. I So what I find interesting, though, is is the sunken cost part that you bring up, right? And I feel like... The so, first two years are a sunk cost. $92 million is basically no, but, been but, flushed. But if you subscribe to the sunken cost fallacy, let me explain it to you guys really quickly, right? For And I'll give you a, a real-world example for it to kind of help out for some of you guys that maybe aren't familiar with what exactly that is. If you're watching a movie and you're a half hour in, sunken cost fallacy would be the idea that you're going to finish that other hour and a half because you've already committed the half hour to it. Some people in life would say, I've watched a half hour. I know where this movie is going. I don't need to watch any more of this movie. And they'll turn it off. Another set of people, and I think I actually fall into this other set of people, you'll watch the first half hour of the movie, and then you'll think to yourself, this sucks, it's going nowhere, but I've invested a half hour of my time, right. so I need to watch the rest of this movie, and then you end up watching a two-hour movie that goes nowhere. 
my my or, perception or of the show. You do what I do, and you just fall asleep during the movie. <laughs> and wake up when it's over. That could which, help. By, which, by the way, still committed to the movie in that happened. process, though. And no but NyQuil needed. The point is, is that if for me, I think this is different with Deshaun because yes, you can look at what's in the rearview mirror, but I'm not looking at the next hour and a half of the movie as if this is doomed to be bad, as if this is going to conclusively be yeah, bad. Yeah, but if you're in the if you're 30 minutes in and you're like, this thing stinks. Well, that's where we're at right now. <laughs> I'm 30 minutes into Deshaun Watson, and this thing does stink. But I'm not, I'm not convinced that's where it's going. 216-474-92. So let me ask you guys, though. We brought Justin Fields into this equation, and let's play with the hypothetical. If they're both on the roster, it's not going to happen. But if they're both on the roster right now, and this is where you can use your football brains and exercise it a little bit here, who would you want to start? Knowing what you know about Kevin Stefanski, knowing what you know about Justin Fields, the Ohio State ties and everything else, knowing what you know about Deshaun, if you had your options between Justin Fields and Deshaun Watson, who would you choose as the week one starter for the Browns? Hey, by the way, I love that on this show, we can just be like, put it up on a poll, and then it's just always up on a poll. And sometimes I don't even have to say put it up on a poll, it just becomes a poll. I think we set the record earlier this week for most polls in a single show. Dan Lebitard might have a word with you. How many polls did you do? I I think we did like six. Okay, in a show. That's, I mean, that's, they all worked. That's I know they. It, I'm sure they all did. worked. <laughs> we, we got fantastic. We got fantastic response got re- and engagement too. Yeah, you got results on them. They all were phrased a little. We did one of the. We did three of them that were based off the same topic, so they're all phrased a little bit differently, and they okay. all kind of like skewed differently. So perfect. Okay, great. I'm. I'm happy. We're for starting you guys. a survey company. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you gonna, gonna go ahead and sell these results to people or what? I, okay, great. Um, well, all right. Well, you're the poll guy then. Do you want to read the poll results currently as we're asking people if the Browns had both Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields in the same roster? Which quarterback would fans want to start? You want to you want to read the results for yeah, us? Yeah, right I mean now? the results right now. We've got uh, just over 200 votes already in about 10 minutes of the vote. It's a lot and of votes. You're, you're it, very popular. Uh, Justin Fields, 65. percent Yeah. So I, I didn't know Keith. We used to work at the Lido Lounge. <laughs> It's closing. No, it's actually it's it not only is not only is it closing, it's been bulldozed already. Oh yeah, I thought you were gonna debate the legitimacy of whether or not the Lido Lounge was remaining open or not. I thought that's what we were gonna do for a second. <laughs> no, there. I think we're gonna debate how much more money Keith's gonna make in his new poll <laughs> career. Should they bring back the Lido Lounge? Yes or no? New poll up on afternoon drive. Go ahead. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. So Seth Walter puts it out there though. He says uh he would take a long shot on Justin Fields ending up with the Browns and making that a new destination. 65% of Browns fans say this is what they want. I completely disagree, by the way. By the way, Candy, Sugar, and Spice say yes, they should absolutely bring back the Lido Lounge. Best uh, best name for performers, Candy, Sugar, Spice, or Sparkles. Put it up on the poll. We're now three deep. <laughs> we are three deep, 20 minutes in. We're going to break records here today. I'm not buying into Justin Fields. I have never bought into, really, Justin Fields. But Justin Fields in Chicago was not very good. He's never thrown for 3,000 yards. And yet you're, you're, you're fascinated by this particular idea. I'm fascinated by the idea that, that Browns fans are entertaining and want this to be Justin Fields and not Deshaun Watson. Like, I, I know I'm going to come off like a Dustin, or excuse me, a Deshaun, that's different, a Deshaun Watson supporter here. But like, I genuinely do believe you have a much higher upside with Deshaun Watson. For the same reasons that Chicago is going with Caleb Williams is the same reason why I'm going with Deshaun Watson in this discussion. Caleb Williams can potentially win them Super Bowls with an S. Deshaun Watson still has the ability in my mind to win us Super Bowls with an S. I believe he can get there. Justin Fields, I know who he is. And I don't know where the advancement in his game is going to come from, Daryl. But you seem like you might be in favor of Justin Fields in this discussion. No, I'm not. (laughs) Okay, good. So we're in agreement. 
Yeah, we are. Okay. I'm the one that said it's an absurd conversation to have in the first place because we're a year too early. I mean, they're all in on making things work with Deshaun. Now, what I one of the things I found fascinating uh, was the regarding the future of one Joe Flacco, possibly ending up in New England with your good friend and mine, Alex Van Pelt. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, and I've said this before, I will be the broken record and say it for the 1,000th time, that was probably the most fun over a five-week period since Derek Anderson in 2007 watching a Browns offense operate. Yeah, it was 300 yards every it game. W- yeah, it was electric watching that offense. So we started we weeks. started another new poll and put Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Joe Flacco. How do you think those results would go? Oh, Joe Flacco would take that, sweep it. I, I think Browns fan would absolutely vote for Joe Flacco. But um, I I would love Joe Flacco to go to New England. You think Browns fans right now would say Joe Flacco for Deshaun Watson? Yeah. Did you not see what Joe Flacco did for the Browns this year? No, I mean, I saw. I also saw what happened in, in the postseason game, I, I, and that was more on the defense I, than it was I, anything, I, but there were some I really know. bad interceptions in oh, there. Oh, I, I, I know. I, I realize it, but, you know, that was a fun five weeks, man. Boy, it actually looked like an offense. It was like, oh, this is what the modern NFL looks like. Well, instantly, We've missed you. Instantly, you saw a lot of production out of some players that we hadn't seen much production out well, of. Well, there's that. Element two. I mean, eight, nine guys were catching footballs every week. He was spreading but, the ball around, no doubt. But to be fair, it was seven or eight guys with Deshaun. Yeah, but we watched. So one we, to two more guys per game were getting We even watched the touches. And Joku basket. never looked better than what he looked in that five-week stretch. Yeah. Um, Amari Cooper had looked great with yeah, Deshaun. Cooper but had a 250 He was on another level with, with Joe Flacco. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was, it was unheralded. Like, I. That's the offense I would love the Browns to run going forward. Okay, good. And, and Justin Fields but is you're not, not... But they're not going to because that's not how Deshaun Watson well, plays. Well, but what I like about this convo, though, is that at least you're you're entertaining the idea of three completely different type of offenses when we discuss about these type of quarterbacks. Like, the, the part of the Justin Fields conversation that makes no sense to me, and you correct me if you think I'm wrong here, I don't think Justin Fields and Kevin Stefanski would work together at all. No, they probably wouldn't. I mean, what Justin Fields does great is he uses his legs. I'll be honest with you. He doesn't throw I, for a million yards. I, I don't know that Deshaun and Kevin Stefanski work. Well, and that's that's where harmony. I think Deshaun Watson, but but Deshaun at least in with, Houston with, with, threw for almost 5,000 yards. Not from a personality standpoint. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just talking about the way Deshaun plays the game. Like, I feel like the way Joe Flacco plays the game, or, you know, that worked perfectly with what Kevin Stefanski wants to do offensively. And it showed on the field. I mean, the guy, out, the guy, the, the guy used threw, a lot of different weapons. Yeah. He threw for over sixteen hundred yards and thirteen touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Over, over a five week stretch. Now, granted, he also had eight interceptions, but let's be honest about those eight interceptions. Five of them weren't his fault. That's the weird part about the and, Joe Flacco and, and, connection. And, and also, there, that, we're yeah. limiting our scope to the regular season, and we're forgetting the abomination that occurred in the wild card playoff game, right? But I, I feel like that the way Flacco plays is right in line with the way Kevin Stefanski would love to run an offense. But he's got Deshaun, and so he's working things around Deshaun. They stripped the offense back for parts last offseason with AVP, right? Put some new stuff in, tweaked some things. And unfortunately, because of Deshaun getting hurt and Mother Nature, 
We didn't get to see a lot of it. We got to see a little bit against Tennessee, right? Sean was great in that game. Uh, we got to see it with uh, Deshaun's shoulder hanging, uh, you know, from his waist uh, against Baltimore in Baltimore when they came back and won 33-31 there. Yeah. But we just really never got – we have not gotten to see high-flying Browns offense with Deshaun Watson yet at quarterback on a consistent week-in, week-out basis, right? Yeah. So it's still, to me, an unknown quantity. Like – well, oh. that's that's kind of what makes this offseason so frustrating is that it's a lot of the same questions we asked, we asked last offseason. Except for there's still $138 million that's been committed to a plan. Right. And I think that's not why getting out but of. I think that's why a lot of people in this poll right now, and you can let us in, 216-474-92, if the Browns had both Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields in the same roster, which quarterback would fans want to start? I think a lot of people right now are saying Justin Fields because they they know in the bottom of their heart, even if Justin Fields isn't the world's greatest quarterback, they at least know they're going to get some level of production that they can bank on. I, I think Deshaun with his injury is a scary a scary part for people. And I think the other part that's a little scary for people is that there's no guarantee that he even ends up being a top 10 to 15 quarterback. No part of that is locked in. Well, the injury that he's coming off of where you have that bone that's basically in the actual rotator cuff there, right? Yeah. Um, Like that, we may not see him 100% until – 2025 now like this could be a year where he is just yeah he's gonna throw a football starting next month and that's great right he's on is Kevin Stefanski said in Indianapolis at the combine and Andrew Berry uh said as well he's on track he's you know whatever thing rehab is going great but the reality is that it's going to take him time to rebuild that you know strength in that shoulder and in that in that joint and there's no guarantee that he it's going to be where everybody wants it to be come week one. Mm-hmm. You know, it it could be a process here where he has to get through go through this season and it just, you know, regenerates and rebuilds the strength and all that. So there's that element to this whole equation that you have to throw in as well, on top of it. So, I mean, look, and let's be honest about it. This is Cleveland, it's Browns fan. There is no one more popular than prospect and opportunity and the next guy. Yeah, I mean, consistently, vice president, uh, backup quarterback, those type of guys. They're always they're always the most popular. The most people. popular player on the team, right? Yeah. Um, and and so the the unknown quantity is always, in my view, when it comes to fans, is going to win out. The potential that someone else can come in and do it is always going to win out over the guy that you're already committed. You're 92 in the hole and you got 138 to go. You know, yeah, but shouldn't gonna, we be screaming? Gonna, whether it's Justin Fields or... Uh, why, why doesn't um, Deshaun have some of that potential? I, I guess that's the part I'm a little confused by. Well, because, because he hasn't played a full season since 2020. But but he's a, just as much of a mystery as anybody, right? Is he not? Yeah. Like, like I, 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 the way I think about Deshaun is I think that the sky is the limit with Deshaun. I think we just haven't unlocked everything yet. I think he will get there. Uh, but I feel like if, we, if we're talking about... It's a big reason they brought in Ken Dorsey and moved on from AVP. Yeah. Because they want Dorsey to come in and help Stefanski unlock Deshaun Watson and get him to be the player he was with the Houston Texans. The boom is still there is the point. Well, the the other thing, too, is, is you know, I still feel like at times that Watson's timing is not where it needs to be. 
that and it's understandable when you miss as much time as he has over the last four years, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be. Sure. Um, but I, I feel like that with Deshaun, he's got to get that internal clock back to where it was in 2019 with Houston. Like, I think it's – that is the most – because where is Deshaun Watson at his best as a player? It's when he is just not thinking and he's just doing. Mm-hmm. He is reading the field. He is reacting to what the defense is, is doing to him, right? I like that you do the arm motions when you do this, but by that, the way. But, you're but very that, animated and I like it, but you're like calling out like uh, protections how, right now. I like that, this. But that's how he operates as a player. Yeah. That's where he's at his best. He's not at his best when he's doing the, the three and the six-step drops and throwing on time and expecting the receiver, the, the time improvisation. throws and stuff like Right. He, improvisation is where he's at his best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, the podcast that he did uh, earlier this offseason that was, as I do the air quotes, controversial because he said, I don't like scripts. I, I'm not crazy about scripts going into games because I, I, I kind of feel like that it takes away from me. Which is what Stefanski reading. lives, by the, by the way. I right. mean, that's, that's why the, the two of them, if you were to tell somebody where where's the marriage not working, it's that one person really does believe in I always thought if Kevin Stefanski could and, just have someone like Brock Purdy, he'd be he'd be God's gift of football and, coaching because uh, somebody that could just do please, what he wants him to do and, and finish the job. Please remind me how well the scripts worked with Joe Flacco. Yeah. Four opening drive touchdowns in five games. Right, but shouldn't we – okay, then at what point do we put this back on Kevin? And it might not have been the, the right marriage, but if you're a good enough coach, can't you adapt to some of these things? I And maybe I, that's what the test is this year. Look, I, I think Kevin Stefanski is one of the best adapters there are in the game. Look look at the stuff he's had to adapt to over the last four years. Yeah, but the job is to adapt to Deshaun Watson. I understand that's, that's that. That's the big job. I, I, I understand that. And, and, and unfortunately, I don't think it's fair to say that he hasn't adapted to Deshaun. I don't think it's fair – to say uh, to to really even adjudicate that whole situation because the sample size is too small. You only have twelve games. Yeah, but this off season is when we found out Deshaun didn't but, like the scripts. Clearly, they were doing scripts last year. Like I, they, how is that a conversation that they don't have before the season to figure that out? Who's to say they didn't have that conversation? Well, then that's a bad job by Stefanski for not recognizing that that's something that but, Deshaun clearly didn't want, and then getting rid but of it. What, but what was, hence what, failed to adapt. But what was Stefanski's response? There are some things that. We're just going to do. But that's not adapting. That's just being stubborn. No, 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 no. That's that's he. Stefanski's the boss, and the and the the players, the employee. Right. But my whole point is that good coaches are able to work around the players the they employee, have. You can't let the employees run the business to a degree. When now, it's Deshaun Watson, he's making two hundred thirty million dollars. He gets a say in the matter, a big important say in the matter. What you have to do though is within those scripts, you have to build in the concepts that Watson's comfortable with that allows him to work off the script as necessary. So you can still have the script, but you have things built into it that if – I mean, this happens all the time. I think, though, when, what, it what happens, you're highlighting it here, happens, though. No, but it happens in protections. But what, what, it, it happens yeah. in run blocking. It happens in if this happens, then you do this. and think, like, I, I mean, hey, we, we had a whole season of Joe Woods do, doing if this happens, you do this, that, and the other – that's what you have to do with Deshaun. I, I think what you're highlighting, though, the most is that if if Deshaun works one way like that, I feel like Justin Fields works in a very similar way as well, and that doesn't that doesn't add up to me for something that uh, I think Kevin Stefanski would succeed with. We're just asking you, and then we put it out on a, a poll on Afternoon Drive at Afternoon 92 through the Fan on Twitter. If the Browns had both Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields in the same roster, which quarterback would fans want to start? We are not just making this up out of thin air. Seth Walter, ESPN Analytics Department. He's been at ESPN for a million years. Uh, in his column, 
if we can call him that. I don't know if you call that a column or not, but you're the writer. That's not a that's not a column. It's a it's, a, it's an opinion piece. It's right? an opinion piece. Then it's a column. Okay, good. All right, let's call it a column then. It's okay. not a story because there's no factual basis behind this. The Browns are not interested in Justin Fields, right? The Browns are not thinking about trading their second round pick to Chicago for Justin Fields. That's not what he's putting in there, right? Accurate. Okay, then it's a column. I never wrote for the school newspaper or anything like that. It in shows. college, I never I never did any the of that. The fact that I'm having to sit here and explain this to you is shows. No, I'm fine with that. That's okay. I listen, <laughs> I I have a journalism degree. I can go into that. Uh, Congratulations bag if I want on to. all your success. Uh yeah, I just don't need to uh I, I've never I've never even dreamed of being a writer. Never even dream you know, like a lot of sports people, they're like, Oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. I never I so I I never wanted to be a play-by-play guy, so I never did that. I never wanted to do... I feel like you'd be really good at play-by-play. I feel like I'm... I, I don't know about that, but I feel like I might have the brain for it, if that makes some sense. But I just always wanted to do sports talk. It's all I've ever wanted to do. And like, in this world, and so, yeah. A lot of people... I, I used to have all sorts of teachers be like, you want to write? You want to be a writer? You want to write and do like sports columns and stuff? And I'm like, why am I going to do that? And so, yeah, so anyway, uh, but I could, I, I bet you I could write and, a hell and, of an opinion piece I think you somebody took the edited right, it for me. I think you took the right career path because all the writers are being eliminated in our business. Well, if I had, <laughs> if I had tried to be a writer out of school instead of a sports talk radio host, I'd probably be uh, working for like 75 defunct sports websites <laughs> and just trying to grind. And it was just, that's that's not a world I, I feel like I would enjoy. You'd be living off of opportunity. The play-by-play guys are the same way, though. These play-by-play guys are insane. You know how hard it is? I always, I always tell people, I'm like, listen, trying to be a sports talk radio host is not easy um, from the idea that, you, you know, you probably are going to have to go to different markets. You're going to have to travel around. And then uh, not many people make it. Like, I, I heard an interview with, with uh, Gio from Boomer and Gio in the yeah. morning when he got the job at The Fan in New York. Somebody came up to him and, and, like, somebody in the business legitimately told him, congratulations. In full sincerity, I believe this job is harder to get than getting a job as a New York Nick. Like, like that's like it's not it's not an easy world, but to become like Ian Eagle, I think is a million times harder. To become Jim Nance, I feel like is a million times harder. That's a cutthroat world out there. I have a feeling one day I'm going to turn on the Masters and you're going to be calling the Masters. I would love that. I would love every bit of that. Not calling the Masters though. I you know. But you just I, can't say hello, friends. Obviously. Yeah, we can't just completely rip off Jim Nance. Right. You know but, what's you know what's more likely to happen is me uh, making a mock of one of the holes of Augusta at my house like Jim Nance has <laughs> than being Jim Nance. That is that is more likely to happen. Would the missus allow you to get away with that? I don't know. She lets me get away with a lot, a lot more than I probably should. She's very <laughs> chill and very cool, and that's what I, I love her to death because of that. You so. definitely outkicked your coverage. Yeah, I'm happy about my, uh, my status as well, so that's good. Uh, Seth Walter, though, so he writes this opinion, and he says, uh, he says Justin Fields is a long shot for the Browns, but he puts it out there as, as something that they should entertain. And Justin Fields is 62% in this poll. I want to hear from you. 216474 to below 92. Mario up next on the fan. What's up, Mario? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Thank you, I'm, Mario. Um, I'm going to be quick. Um, I hate the idea of Justin Fields. Like, I, I, I hate that. Like, I just feel like, um, you know, you go back to the Baltimore game, man, and it seems like the whole city had Southern love with Deshaun, and then we heard about the shoulder, and then it was PJ or whoever it was. It's like, look, man, the guy was good last year. Like, he, he, he'll be okay. Like, we got to stop turning our back on our guy. Like, we move on so quick here in Cleveland from the guy who's supposed to be the guy. Hey, Justin Fields, like, Chicago don't want him. 
like what have he did in his league? Like, I, I just think it's just nonsense that we're even entertaining talking about bringing Justin Fields in here. And then you see what um, uh, Dorsey did with um, Josh Ivan, man. I think it's, it'll be good for the Browns. I think um, Deshaun was just getting comfortable with Cleveland. Like, we know what he was doing with the Silver Suits. Then you, you're on a team that don't want you no more, and then you come to a hard goal city like Cleveland, where you got to perform and got to win. If you don't, you're definitely gonna you're gonna hear it in Cleveland. I think he was just finally getting comfortable with that Baltimore game. I think he'll be ready, man. I think the team will be ready next year. Man. Yeah, and I, what I like about it, and thank you, Mario. I appreciate you, man. What I like about it is this is almost like a vote of confidence for Deshaun more than it is a if you're in this camp. Now, if you're in the Justin Fields camp. Clearly, you got Ohio State connections, I would imagine. You watched him play a lot in college. You felt like the Bears did a disservice by him, didn't give him a good enough, a good enough offensive line, didn't give him enough weapons, and maybe you think there's still something there. In my eyes, I, I when he was saying it, I almost thought, we're taking the Bears trash at quarterback? That's what we're doing? And that's not really a world I think we ever really want to live in. But I understand why the Bears are moving on. The Bears. The Browns have been... Picking up trash at quarterback for the last quarter century until they signed Deshaun, though. But that's that's the difference. Is that let's, Deshaun let's, is supposed to be, be the turning of the page? I, of that. Do, do I need to pull out the list again? It's not like the Bears are rich in quarterback history. My childhood was spent talking about Sid Luckman being the best Browns or Bears quarterback I've ever seen. Like, I mean, it was they are as much of a dumpster fire from the quarterback spot. Shall, shall I take you as back the Browns to the days of Doug Peterson? And Spurgeon win and Ty Detmer. Listen, I, I, for every for every uh, Spurgeon win you got, uh, the Bears Jeff have a, a Jonathan Quinn up their uh, sleeve. Okay, like that's it's been a a it's been a franchise that has been fraught with Trent bad quarterback play. But what I respect out of what the Browns did with Deshaun Watson is the same thing I respect out of what the Bears are doing in Chicago in going for Caleb Williams. Is they're not settling for somebody that they believe is going to be a twenty to twenty five quarterback. And that's what Justin Fields ultimately is. That's why I'm surprised by the results of this poll that so many people are like, yeah, give me the guy that they think is 20 to 25 in the NFL over someone like Deshaun, who, although it has not started off perfect, Daryl, has a chance to be really, really good if he can get things together. Jury's still out. Like, it's still out. We we, we don't know what Deshaun is going to be for the Browns yet. We have what we hope he will be. We have the worst-case scenario already in our minds of what could happen, right? Well, at least Seth Walder does. I well, mean, that's, that's, I mean, part, of, that's part of his case here at ESPN. He's, he's already got him, you know, bringing in Justin Fields to replace him, and yet they still have $138 million they have to pay Deshaun. Like, I mean, it, it, it's a little early to replace a guy you still over, owe over $135 bucks to. Yeah, no, the idea is clearly it's la-la land, and we can all recognize that. But I do think it's, I do think it's fascinating I mean, the, the to debate. find out what people think about where Deshaun is currently relative to somebody that is a 20-25 to 25 quarterback in the NFL in Justin Fields. To me, the debate with Deshaun is, do you touch the contract this year? Do you restructure it and kick that can down the road a little bit to give yourself more uh, cap flexibility in the short term? Or do you, because, uh, uh, you know, uh, thank you, Peacock. Thank you, Amazon. Thank you, everyone that's giving the NFL billions upon billions like upon Peacock. billions They're of dollars. They're making good stuff right now. Uh, yes, they are. Ted's fantastic, by the way. Oh, we um, got to talk about that at some point. I yeah, love that I, show. Uh, unfortunately, the, the stuff. It's better that, than the movie. Oh, it's, it's it's. I love the movie, and it's better than the movie. It's Family Guy on steroids is what it is, and it's fantastic. But anyway, I digress. Uh, you know, with, with Deshaun, you know, do, do you take it, the $63 Smoking million dollar bear, hit It's always going right to make now. me laugh. <laughs> 
That's <laughs> a little teddy bear that gets high. <laughs> How is that not the funniest thing ever? And he's foul-mouthed on top of it. <laughs> I know. It's so good. It's an adorable little teddy bear that just gets high and curses and just makes the most ridiculous comments. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The talking truck was pretty good, The talking too. truck was good, too. Yeah, yeah. Less adorable. Way more fraught with problems, but yeah, that was that was fun. Uh, Cam up next. What's up, Cam? Hey, guys. Uh, you, the topic this morning has been great. You guys have touched on a lot of great points, um, especially just about restructuring the, the contract with Deshaun. Like, that's something that I think has got to be done, especially if he's not going to be healthy. And I, I don't think about replacing Deshaun, but it's more as like, when Joe Flack goes in on the offense, something he, he couldn't really do is, like, you know, get outside the pocket. It was more play action, run heavy. And I think that's what Joe Flacco does great. But then Justin Fields allows you to open up that, that field and, you know, extend plays like, like something we, like we need to do more. And, well, Cam, yeah, if you're worried about Deshaun getting hurt, the last thing you want to do is restructure that contract. You want to start taking those cap charges as early as possible because, if you again, if you're worried about injury – and if that happens, that means you're not extending him. You want to get that contract over with as soon as possible and off your book. So uh, if yeah. you know it, now you're proceeding, he's going to be healthy. Then yeah, you're leaning toward restructuring and adding another voidable year, and you know going into 2028 with Deshaun Watson, maybe not on your roster, but he's still on your books. Yeah, it, it, it's tough that we he's just guaranteed all that money. You know, it's kind of really tough to you know lay out pick what quarterback you're going to use. All right. Thank you, Cam. Oh, yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. You know, uh, we are now, I want to keep people updated on the poll here. Uh, afternoon 92.3, the fan, you can cast your vote. 450 votes. Not a small uh, you know, sample size here. We're getting Sugar, up there. Sugar Spice and Everyone Nice has voted on this poll. I did not see that one out there, Keith, by the way. I did not see, I did not see that poll out there. Maybe it's there and I'm missing it. Uh, Deshaun Watson is 37% of the vote. So what you're saying is Deshaun's a big fan favorite here. I'm, yeah, I'm saying right now there's not a lot of confidence in the Deshaun Watson community. Okay. Uh, that's that's what I'm. That's the vibe that I'm getting off here. Well, hey, look, uh, Ken Dorsey and Kevin Stefanski are going to fly to L.A. next week, and they're not going to talk football. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Not going to talk any football because they're not allowed to, but they are going to. Hey, uh, wait, are you it, coming around to my idea that they're going to uh, actually talk football? No, I'm not. Um, but you know, I can just. You know, since we're going through the hypotheticals of things that are never going to happen, uh, I'll go through the hypothetical of something that might happen. Hey, uh, Deshaun, Kevin, remember me? I'm your head coach. By the way, here's your, here's your new offensive coordinator. His name's Ken. And, uh, you know, uh, we just came to say hi and see how the shoulder's feeling. And, you know, how how's the girlfriend? And how's the Lamborghini doing? And, you know, uh, how's the West Coast and the beaches? Because, again, we can't talk football. Can't can't talk scheme. Can't talk anything. You know, can't throw yet. Can't watch a throw. Well, I love the uh, they they can talk big picture. That's been the big thing. They can talk big picture. So we can talk about we're going to get to the playoffs. To Sean. I, I, I told we can't Darryl, talk about how we're going to do it. We can talk about getting there. Though. I told Daryl on overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. You should listen sometime Ding. on Wednesdays on his weekly hit at eight o'clock. I told him that I said this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It is the only commonality those three have in life is football. They're not going to get together and just talk about, uh, uh, hey, how's the family doing? Let's play a game of parcheesi. Right. Like, no, they're going to talk football. Here, and I, I would bet so much money they're going to talk football. Since, since we're on the, the the poll kick here this week, here's your next poll. What's more absurd? Kevin and Ken going to L.A. not to talk football with Deshaun or the 
air quotes, legal tampering period that is the three days before free agency begins. By the way, all those contracts are getting ironed out this week in Indianapolis at the Combine. You know him because he used to work here in Cleveland. He co-hosts on Sirius XM NFL Radio now. He also contributes uh, in Buffalo, does a lot of Bill stuff as well. His name is Vic Carucci, joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. Vic, how's it going today? It's going, and going very well. I'm glad uh, to be with you guys. Good. Well, you know Daryl, and you don't, you've known Daryl for a while. He's the consummate professional. Yep. And so he told me, he goes, hey, hey, Jonathan, you got to ask this question to Vic because I'm not going to be held responsible for it. And I said, okay, fine. I'll, I'll fall on that sword. I, yeah, I leave the absurdity to other people. <laughs> Which I'm all right with. I, that's kind of my role in life, Vic. I just I ask the absurd, crazy questions, and we go from there. Uh, Seth Walter is the one that I'm, I'm trying to hold responsible for this. Uh, he was predicting all his 32 NFL starting quarterbacks for the upcoming season, and he said Deshaun Watson would be the starter. But he said he could imagine the Browns as a long-shot Justin Fields destination. Now, we know that's not going to happen. But if I were to ask you that you could choose between Justin Fields or Deshaun Watson as the week one starter for the Browns, which one would you choose for Kevin Stefanski in the group? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, yeah, I, I, mean, I think that's like a two-part. That question has sort of it falls into two categories because it because uh, on the one hand you're absolutely asking who of the two, putting aside contract commitment, all of those other things, uh, at least from the Brown standpoint, is the better quarterback. And I, in my mind, um, the more established guy, proven guy has got to be Watson. I still, I think there, you know, that cliche of upside and what we could be seeing from Justin Fields, 
uh, anyone who's interested, I mean, think about this. If he's this greatest answer as a quarterback, and he might very well be, this is, this is not the editorial comment on his talent. It is an editorial comment about the Bears. Who couldn't use a great upside quarterback, least of all a team that, you know, is desperately trying to find some traction that wants to have – every team wants success but desperately needs it. And if the Bears are willing to part ways with that guy because they think there's a better answer in the draft, apparently, if they think Caleb Williams is that guy, what does that say about Fields? Or does it say the Bears are just dumb? That they just, you know, they're the people who run that team are so dumb they can't figure it out. So the fact that there is a parting of ways, uh, at least thought in in the process, raises a lot of flags for me for Fields. Even if I agree with those who say, "My gosh, you know, there, there's a better quarterback to be playing there." With Watson, um, I mean, I have more of a complete thought. I go back to watching him in his days with the, with the Texans. And what I mean by that is, I mean, up close and personal, seeing him in a playoff game against Buffalo where he single-handedly willed his team to, to victory and did a lot. He was sacked, I believe, seven times, hit many other times. It was, an, I mean, his line was an abomination, and he, and he was, just kept picking himself up and making plays, uh, a lot with his legs, some with his arm, and and on a day when I think the Bills had a 16-point lead in a wild-card playoff game that uh, the Texans were to race and go on and win. Um, and, you know, so my, my point is, and I realized that was then, uh, are things different now uh, physically and, and every other way for Watson? Uh, I, you know, I, I would lean to say that it's, that it's not, maybe he's not quite the guy we saw then, but I would have a hard time, especially knowing the, the impossibility, in my view, of, of uh, parting ways with someone in whom all that commitment is financial and otherwise is there. Uh, I, I just would have a hard time doing it. It just wouldn't work in my mind. Yeah, as someone who has watched the Browns go through 30 different quarterbacks over the years, um, I would never rule out the Browns just be, or never rule out the fact that the Bears just might be dumb. So, good point by you, Vic. <laughs> um, uh, you know, along the lines with Watson, though, obviously, we, we know how important 2024 is uh, for not only the Browns, but for Watson because they only have 12 games to show for their 90 plus million dollars they've already paid. They're on the hook for another 138. My question to you, Vic. If you were Andrew Barry, who, by the way, is on record saying that we don't have to if we don't need to uh, restructure Deshaun's contract again this year, um, would you, if you were Andrew Barry, restructure it again this offseason and add voidable years? Or do you just, uh, because of all the questions, take and uh, you know bite the bullet of that $63 million cap hit this year? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you got to have a conversation. I, I would have a conversation to see because you're having those conversations internally. You should be pretty much every day on how to best, uh, you know, have your your cap structured uh, to allow you to do the other things that you need to do. You can't. I mean, the, the Browns certainly have other things they've got to make sure are right and fixed. Uh, before you know they, they get into the season, 
And it, it, I mean, thinking otherwise is fallacy. You know, to say, "Oh yeah, we're we're great," we're, you know, we can we can just keep things status quo and all good. No, you, you can't, and almost no team can. The Kansas City Chiefs can't. Uh, so my my answer to you would be try real hard to find whatever that mathematic formula is um, and restructuring. And, and again, restructuring generally means one of two things, kick the can down the road and, and create more problems for the future, perhaps for another GM and coach to, to worry about, uh, or uh, ask somebody to take a pay cut. And usually that second option uh, doesn't ever happen or, or, or certainly doesn't result in anything necessarily good in the relationship with that player. Like if you were the Browns, would you go after Gabe Davis? Yeah, I, I, he's, he's worth, yes. The answer is yes. Now, when you don't need a number one, and Amari Cooper means you don't in Cleveland, uh, I think he could be a solid number two, who at times flashes in ways where the coverage is, is, tends to drift away from him uh, and then he, he ends up, I'm not saying this, this is going to happen more than the one time it did, but four touchdown catches against the Chiefs in that playoff game is exemplary of the kinds of things he can do. Now, key drops have also happened in his time, but he is a guy who I think will command uh, a decent amount of money. I think the Giants are going to be very hot for him. His former uh, coordinator there, Brian Dayball, the former assistant GM in Buffalo, Joe Shane, uh, and they have the need. He could be. He could emerge as a number one there. But I think in the Browns structure of things, he would obviously still see you know a, a good pay increase and find himself in a familiar role. Why don't the Bills just keep him? They don't keep him because um, I think number one, they uh, to to throw the kind of money. And first of all, when you've let him hit the open market, which is likely to be the case. I mean, I, I don't know if they make a, a, any kind of cursory attempt to show him any love, like, hey, we want to keep you, but here's the number. But they have got more, to me, greater needs elsewhere, uh, especially on defense. And, and if they're going to retain people, it would make more sense to me to, to go to the wall, as, as far to the wall as you can go for Leonard Floyd, defensive end, or Daquan Jones, defensive tackle, that kind of thing. The other thing that the Bills can do besides, I, I think, greater priority on defensive retention there if they're going to keep anybody is this is a deep draft for wide receiver by all accounts they could sit at 28 get a get a guy that could be the immediate replacement for Davis and the future replacement for Stefan Diggs and of course it's a rookie contract versus paying uh paying Gabe Davis a lot more let me ask you, just you know, because obviously you do a lot with Buffalo as well. I just want to ask you about Sean McDermott really quickly because I'm fascinated. It, it felt like it, I don't know if it's the ownership. Something happened after that piece from Dunn in the middle of the season where it, it kind of felt like where you thought maybe it was going to go south. It kind of turned around and and got back in the right direction. Is that because he used Ken Dorsey as the sacrificial lamb and then everything got righted, or was there something more there? And then we'll get your thoughts on Dorsey after that. Yeah, well, interesting. I mean. I think it's I think it's on a, a that move the the coordinator change regardless of the of the names involved necessarily uh, that's a bold thing to do first of all for a head coach and it's it's not often done and it's almost never something that works out successfully now can we call it you know a, a, a clear success 
Um, I'm not ready to because it happened, you know, midseason, and we we got a half a season sample size of Joe Brady uh, as offensive coordinator, even though he's got some history there as quarterback coach. But that was one thing, uh, and I do think to a great degree, uh, Ken Dorsey became a sacrificial lamb uh, after a, a, an ugly loss to Denver. Uh, no, the offense wasn't functioning well. I think Josh Allen's performance had a lot to do with that night. I don't think that all gets uh, falls to the feet of Dorsey. But but Sean made the move. Uh, Sean had the backing of his players. He connects well with with these players. They uh, they see him as someone who generally has their back, so they'll have his back. They trust him. Um, he he is. I've heard this term, and maybe it's, it's a, I don't know, a 2023, now 2024 thing, and maybe a little earlier that you hear. He shows vulnerability. He shows I heard Mitch Morris say this, the, the Bill Center. I heard other players say that in a complimentary way. Now, again, you know, I say that, and then you think of Vince Lombardi, and you think of, you know, some of the all-time uh, hard-nosed coaches at Belichick. You know, how much Bill – how much vulnerability would that even show up in there? The only vulnerable, I, I don't even know what, what that word would mean to, to these, to these uh, coaching, uh, perhaps even Paul Brown uh, or whatever, uh, George Hallis. But uh, in, in today's context, uh, it, it matters. And, 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 and the, where I'm mentioning that, that came up, uh, I think the players will never forget that they felt their coach felt them at their at their toughest moment, and that was the whole Demar Hamlin thing on that January second night of 2023 uh, in uh, in uh, Cincinnati, and when people were coming to pieces, players were losing it. Everett, Tre'Davious White, so many others, Josh Allen, who who saw a player stop breathing, die, and then come mm-hmm. back to life, uh, and I think Sean's handling of that. And not just at the moment, but in the aftermath, resonated. So the the story that that Tyler Dunn did, and kudos to a guy who, in he, I think he said, I don't know how many different people, twenty five or so people, most of whom off the record. I, you know, I'd have had a heck of a time. But he's also publisher and editor of his own outfit. But if I, you know, in my history of working for newspapers or working for any entity. To, to have that many off the record uh, uh, sources, I, I I would have been told, yeah, you, you get somebody on the record. You know, that's you don't we don't go to print with that necessarily or or online with that. But that said, he did get somebody to reveal an accurate story about this 9/11 speech uh, that was just a, 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 a obviously ill-advised. Uh, I don't know where Sean was going with it. He, I guess maybe he didn't know until some a player said to him, "What are you trying to say here, coach? You know, what's the message with this thing where you're you're kind of applauding the coordinated efforts of 9/11 uh, of the terrorists?" Uh, but that said, I would I would tell you that Sean, um, it, it did not reflect the guy. It reflected uh, a, again a poor public speaker at the moment, and I'm not sure he's that awful most of the time, but I heard other stories where he's gotten off track. Coaches do. And anyway, uh, I, they, they, if anything, that thing galvanized the, the players behind him because they thought it was, 
an outsider sort of, uh, you know, doing this hit piece and attacking their guy, mm. and, and they had his back and all. Hey, real quick, Vic, uh, what were Dorsey's responsibilities uh, under McDermott uh, and, uh, you know, with the Bills' offense? Yeah, it, it's going to change, of course, for Cleveland because he was autonomous with the offense. He uh, he coached every, every bit of it, uh, decided every bit of it. Yes, Sean had the short yardage, goal line, go for it decisions, but – it, all in all, that was all his offense. Obviously, that's not going to be the case with Stefanski. It, it, you know, it's a whole different setup and system there, and that's probably good. I think in-week design, I think uh, quarterback whispering, all those things, I think Ken's really good at that. I think he did it well uh, with Cam Newton in Carolina and then, and then Josh Allen. And, and, again, Josh was, you know, Ken's former playing history – uh, helps a lot. He can relate well, and and players and the quarterbacks relate well to him. So I I, I I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know this is going to be a great upgrade from Alex Van Pelt, who I know quite well. Uh, it may be different than it was. I I don't know that it'll necessarily be better, uh, and I'm not entirely sure what the feeling was that that moving Van Pelt out was going to make things better to put a guy in a similar role where it is Kevin's offense. Vic, fantastic insight as always. We'll check you out, Series XM NFL, obviously contributing uh, you know, for the Bills down there in Buffalo and, and writing for the 33rd team as well. So we appreciate you giving us some, uh, some insight, and, and uh, we'll catch up with you later. Thank you, Vic. Enjoy it, guys. Take care. All right, good stuff right there with Vic Carucci in the North Holmes. A little confusing, if I'm being honest, because he calls him a quarterback whisperer, but then he goes down the road of, I don't know why they made the move for someone in Alex Van Pelt that was probably just as close, if not, if not better at the job. Now, change for the sake of change. And I think that's all it was. Like, if we had more time with Vic, I would have just been like, hey, listen, they needed to shake the snow globe a little bit here. They needed uh, to mix it up, and that's what they were going for. Clearly, that's what they were going for. And, and you know what? I, I give them credit because I do believe after four seasons, there are some people that would have fell back on the idea that they won 11 games and Stefanski won coach of the year and all that other stuff. And then like, well, there's no reason to make changes. But they made changes because they understood that even though the defense was all world, the offense did have some room to grow. And the offense could get better and needed to get better, Daryl. I give him credit for that. Yeah, I, I, he caught me off guard with the whole quarterback whisperer thing. Yeah, I don't know where um, that came from necessarily. And I, I, I Well, no, I, I do because the success that Dorsey had in Carolina as Cam Newton's quarterback That's coach, what I'm thinking is the big part M- of it. MVP season, they went to the Super Bowl. Granted, they lost Super Bowl 50 to the Broncos. Um, but, but who would call him a quarterback whisperer for that when Cam but, Newton, uh, two years two years prior to that season that he was joined by Ken Dorsey, uh, won the Heisman, a national title, number one overall pick. Like, like Cam Newton's peak was always going to be in the beginning portion of his career. But, and you can make an argument that that three-year stretch going from Auburn to the first couple years he had in the NFL is one of the more impressive three-year stretches of colleges to NFL that we've ever seen in the history of the sport. Like, how much of a hand did... Did Ken Dorsey have in that? Like, Cam Newton came to the NFL great. It's not like Ken Dorsey propped him up and made him a million times better. It's the way it is in the NFL, man. I know, and, and like, it's, it's just how it, they, it, they give credit like, to all these type of Ke- things. Kevin but just, Stefanski will always have those two Coach of the Year trophies in his trophy case. Like, I, I know, I feel bad I feel bad because it's. Like, I, just, I, I know you, you wanted to do a whole thing on Ken Dorsey with that, but I just... Yeah. 
I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, Cam Newton but was unquestionably may- great. There's nothing that he could have done. He was just in the orbit of may- Cam Newton, who was maybe he always un- going to be great at that point in Maybe he unlocks something with Cam, and he's going to unlock something here with uh, Deshaun. Are we going to give Ken Dorsey credit for Cam Newton uh, being able to be attacked by three adult males and then still being able to beat them all up individually? Like, I mean, like, I, where, where, where do we draw the line here? And without his hat moving. It was incredible. Think, I think he glues the hat to his like, hat. Like, how stupid could you be to try and go after Cam Newton? 6'5", 250? Like, you don't come after Cam Newton. Uh, Big Ben is called Big Ben, and he was 6'5", 240, okay? <laughs> I mean, that's how big <laughs> Cam Newton is. It's insane. But, like, I'm trying to figure out where we give him credit then. You know, you want to tell me Josh Allen. I'll listen to the conversation. Josh Allen uh, wasn't God's gift to football when he came to the NFL. And I know Ken Dorsey didn't directly work, work with Josh Allen in the role that he was in until Dayball left, but, uh, you know, there's at least some development there with Josh Allen that was much different than and, than Cam Newton. And as, you know, Vic alluded to the whole sacrificial lamb, the fact of the matter is he got fired in the middle of a season. Right. Right? Things weren't going great. He's gone. Things got better. So... I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm with I'm with Vic. Like I'm not going to sit here and say that you know Ken Dorsey is going to be an upgrade from Alex Van Pelt, and that th- it's going to be the key to unlocking Deshaun Watson and mm-hmm. and you know revolutionizing this Browns offense. Because, like I said, the offense looked great with Joe Flacco running it. It was explosive. Uh, Amari Cooper <laughs> set franchise records. Um, like he. Looked like a number one wide receiver in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in five starts, uh, Joe Flacco had twice as many completions of over 20 yards than Deshaun Watson did ha- in 12 starts. Um, you know, Flacco threw one fewer touchdown in five starts than Watson did in his 12 starts. Like, I mean, th- those are statistics that are hard just to overlook. Like, the it it's fair to say that yeah i mean we we saw we we saw glimpses of greatness from deshaun uh in some of his starts with the browns but we didn't see any we haven't seen any consistency with it and that's a problem um and part of the reason we haven't seen consistency is because well he hadn't been available yeah we just haven't seen enough of him right you, you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. um and and they're in the deshaun watson business whether you me or anyone else likes it agrees with it wants it that's all immaterial. They're in it. Um, and so that, that that's why I was giving you so much grief over the, the Justin Fields conversation. It's immaterial. They're in the Deshaun. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 
Watson business. Plain and simple. They're not no. They're not looking at 2027 trying to figure out what they're going to do with quarterback. To be fair, we're giving Seth Walter of ESPN a lot of crap. Not necessarily me. It's not my idea. Uh, I, I know. but you're, and, and, and hey, you loved it so much. We'll do it again later in the show. Don't you worry. You're in the room with me, so you're going to get it from I, me. I got it. I got the, I got the as, I, as I play the host of uh, let's get this conversation out there and rolling, you're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that today. But yeah. No, I mean, I just I'm trying to live in reality in in where the Browns really are at versus like okay this this hypothetical yeah the hypotheticals are great I mean we've been doing hypotheticals about the Browns making the Super Bowl for the half a century uh, right and, but there are there happened. are important conversations that stem from that and that's why we did it in the first you know the two o'clock hour yeah. and I think we've we addressed a lot of those conversations and we'll talk about it again a little bit later on and and uh, but I'm and like, I can't wait what I'm trying to think about what actually matters in the Ken Dorsey conversation though is if you call him a quarterback whisperer and you yeah. say that he can be maybe he's not Alex Van Pelt but he's on the same level or close to Alex Van Pelt I'm trying to figure out what exactly we're getting out of Ken Dorsey and and if it's just change to have change that's fine but then it, it, I don't know. Do you think Kevin Stefanski yeah, is I mean, that if he's much? Because I don't think Kevin Stefanski's given up play calling. I know. I don't think I, so either. I, I, I know it still remains the great mystery, which, by the way, is going to remain unsolved until they get to the Greenbrier. Uh, once Andrew Barry said it was Stefanski's decision, I think he pretty much told us everything he needed to know. Right. And because Stefanski legitimately, he can tell Ken and Anthony all he wants. He legitimately thinks he's awesome at that, and I, I don't really begrudge well, him for that either. Here, here's the thing, too. Ken Dorsey's not taking the job without that sc- scope of the job being laid out for him, right? You you don't take a job without knowing what you're getting into. I, I agree with that. I, I wouldn't you take know, this this job right this here is, without the understanding of where, what my responsibilities are, what I have to right. do, and if that were to change, then you have conversations. Right. Although so, I'm a company man, so I might just roll with it. So That's just a me thing. You know, Take note, there, people, company man. This basically is a cat and mouse game with the media, more so than it is they're figuring it out. There's nothing to figure out. Okay, Ken Dorsey doesn't take the job without knowing who's calling the plays. Ken Dorsey doesn't take the job without knowing who's drawn up the offense. Ken Dorsey doesn't take the job uh, without knowing uh, how much work he's going to have to do uh, with Deshaun as far as maybe rebuilding mechanics or portions of the game of his game or you know whatever. Right? He's just not taking the job without that knowledge. Just like he's not taking the job without knowing how much the Cleveland Browns are going to pay him to take said job. Like that, 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 like let, let's let's. Well, have unless a, he felt like he was going to get zero other offers out there, and well, I just don't know if that's true or not. But you understand, you understand where I'm coming from. For sure, for sure. So th- this whole thing of, so Kevin, are you going to still call plays, or is it going to be like it's a big ruse? That that's all. It's all it is. It, it, it's fill in time. They know. They're just not saying. And Kevin will tell us at the time of his choosing. Just like he does every other year, because I feel like this is the conversation we have every, or the question I should say that we have every year. So, Kevin, you giving up play calling this year? Yes or no? Well, I'll let you know, right? And then we get to training camp, and then he lets us know, right? Um, so, I, I feel like it's going to be the same thing here. the other, The other part of this, I don't want Kevin Stefanski to give up call plays because it is something he does very well. He's good at it. Mm-hmm. Like, so no, I, I, I don't, I, and I. I don't think we have to worry about Ken Dorsey smashing iPads or uh, surfaces or whatever that is. I don't know. I don't know about uh, that. I don't know about that one. In the in the uh, in the coach's booth or whatever. It happened once. I know. I'm open to the idea it could happen again. I I know. I mean, look, I, I have a feeling you're sitting over there rooting for it. So that you can use the GIF over and over and over and over and nah, over again. I don't sweet enough to even like be uh, like, oh, like, no, these like are jumping things, for joy if that were to the, happen. The, these are things you absolutely think about. 
admit it. Me? Yeah, absolutely. I think about you're, throwing you're the tablet it, from a... You're thinking of it from a content perspective. Of a perspective. content perspective, for right. sure. But I don't think about it from like a, a Twitter content perspective. Okay. Everything in life to me is how can I make this into a radio something, right? Right. Because yeah, I'm not one of those radio hosts that care about Twitter the same way I care about the radio. I care about the radio, right? And what would be interesting to me is that then I would have... I would basically have Andy Bernard when he punches the hole at work. I'd have that version... <laughs> In the press box at any given time, and that that alone that's enough for me. That's uh, that's uh, you hired a wild man, and I think they might have. I, I, I like to the point they had to address that. Andrew Barry had to address these. Like he's not going to be throwing any tablets. Like you can't confidently say that. You have no idea what happens to that man when things go wrong. I watched it with my own two eyes. He tore that thing up like he was my one-year-old daughter discovering a whole bunch of new toys in the living room. Like <laughs> that's. Yeah, like I mean, that's I'm sorry. That's, he was the Tasmanian devil up there. He like, really was. I mean, like, I don't, just, you can't promise me that he won't do that again, unless uh, now. Do you think he'll be on the sidelines? But you know what? You know he cares. I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, great. you had to you had to think of that for a second, great. didn't you? Uh, yeah. Took a moment for that one to register. I'm happy he cares about his job as an offensive coordinator for the Bills. I'm happy he cared about it. I, I like yes, I'm happy. I'm happy that he cares. Yeah. Well, you know what, y'all. Can, <laughs> That is true. That is true. He could be the guy up there being like, why am I even here? I, I mean, I I used to be a quarterback in the NFL, and I'm sitting here watching other quarterbacks just stink up the joint. Like, what am I even hey, doing with my time? He, he could be to, that guy. He used to be a quarterback for the Browns. Which you'd think he'd was, enjoy being up in the suite a little well, bit better. I was going to say, which at that particular time was like one of the worst jobs you could have in the NFL. I mean, he's playing real-life Madden. You shouldn't, everyone should enjoy that. That should be very cool to everybody that gets a chance to do that. But they don't look at it that way. All right, Nathan Zagura on the morning show earlier today. This is what he had to say about the offensive line where the Browns currently sit. You look at the offensive line, and that's a position where it feels like something's got to give, right? You're paying Jed Wills on the fifth-year option. You're paying Jack Conklin, and he's got, I think, $13 million in guaranteed money, so he's not going anywhere. DeWand is your best tackle right now. I mean, I think that seemed to be pretty clear. And then you're paying both guards and a center. I don't know how long you can pay six offensive linemen or pay five when one of them is not even going to be a starter because DeWan Jones is going to be a starter. So I think it's a very interesting situation. Andy Dickerson comes in now. He's going to kind of lead that offensive line. I think there'll be a lot of conversations about how they want to formulate that line. It would not surprise me at some point if there is interest from around the National Football League in what we I just described as maybe a glut of offensive line. Lyman, there aren't enough good ones, so maybe people are calling. Maybe there are potential moves that can be made. But I'm totally open to seeing. It feels to me like Dewan Jones of the people on the roster right now. Dewan Jones has the best chance to be your long-term, decade, multiple Pro Bowl left tackle. Right? I think that's a fair thing to say, and that's not a knock on Jed Wills. That just is what Dewan Jones showed us as a rookie. So the feet, the length, the size—I mean, it's just hard to get around him. Mm-hmm. Period. Just when he's just there, a hard worker. He wants to be great, and so I think that yeah, you could give him that opportunity, and maybe going back to the right side does help Jed Wills. Maybe that kind of springboards Jed Wills back to you know the guy that was a top ten pick in the National Football League. So I think that you will take a look at some of those things. I think you have to, right? As Kevin yeah. Stefanski said, you know. We're always trying to evolve. We're always trying to stay ahead of the curve and put ourselves in the best position to succeed. And so it feels like that's something that is at least worth exploring when you're running around there in shorts and T-shirts. All right, Nathan's a girl right there on the morning show. Nathan knows a bunch about football. I, I think he's very, very credible when it comes to the game. Uh, the part I would I would question, though, Daryl, is – and don't worry, I'll let you get your thoughts off in a second – is all we ever heard about DeJuan Jones is that he – 
when at Ohio State, when he tried to play the left side, it just didn't go well. The man is a right tackle. If you want to make him a left tackle, that's fine, but it does come with some risk. And you might be running the risk of taking away someone that is great at the right side. And if you split the baby on it, you might end up with both a right tackle in Jed Wills that maybe isn't as good, and then a left tackle in Dewan Jones then that isn't as good, and you end up weaker as a whole. The guy that's getting voted off the island is going to be Jed Wills. Okay. Or at least should be voted off the island. Look, I, I they shouldn't have given Jed the guaranteed fifth year. They should have – you want to talk about sunk cost? They should have just taken that as a sunk cost. Yeah, well, there's because, a couple – that, He's not, not good enough to be paid $15 million as a left tackle. He makes too many mistakes. He makes too many critical mistakes at the worst possible times. He's a good player, but he's not a great player. And I don't think he's ever going to be a great player. I don't think he's ever going to be a Pro Bowl player. I, I that that's just my take on Jeff. Right, Wills. but look at this situation here. We have we have three people for two jobs, and two of these people you mentioned. The, you mentioned what? the and bad two, contract and, by and Andrew two Barry. Of the, and two of the three you're going to pay. So guess what? Right. This year, the two guys that you pay are the guys that'll play. Plain and simple. Well, the and, two guys you paid was Conklin and Wills, and those are the two guys that will play. And but that would that be Andrew Barry just showing that he's a little stubborn about the fact that he gave out these deals? Because because if you asked me and you, it's not about what the, being what stubborn. What the best it's, combination of I, this is? It's it's without Jedrick Wills playing football I, on this I, team. I'm not benching a guy that I'm paying 15 million dollars a year for a guy that I'm only paying a couple hundred grand. But you can look that's at just, it. That's just not how the business of football works. I get it's not how it works, but you can look at it like, uh, let's say, like the 49ers are looking at the quarterback position, right? If I'm, if hey, listen, I spent a lot on Trey Lance, that didn't work out, but I got my quarterback of the future anyway in Brock Purdy. So uh, between the two, we had it all figured out. We might have gotten there in an indirect way, but we got it figured out. They they didn't want Jed Wills to not work the way that it hasn't. But if it means you're paying 15 million dollars for the left tackle position and it's $15 million to Jed Wills and pennies for Dewan Jones, but it has your left tackle situation figured out, then you got there. It might not have been the way you wanted to, but you still got there. I think you spent this year preparing Dewan Jones to play left tackle by not actually having him on the field. So practice, basically, and then if right. an injury happens, then you throw him out there or right. whatever. He's your third tackle, and with the way things have gone the last few years, they've needed a third tackle, now, do you right? think? Do you think he can... Make the switch to left tackle because at Ohio State, I listen. He's a slot machine with a helmet. The man is a massive human. Well, but at if, Ohio State, he struggled on the left side. If Bill Callahan were here, I'd say absolutely. Bill's not here now, so I don't know. But if if that's what they're thinking, right, is moving him to the left side, then you got to get that process started, and you want to do it in a way where you don't have immediate accountability for that as well. You, you understand what I'm saying? No, no, I do. I almost wonder if it would have been uh, beneficial to start this process last year. And so, yeah, I mean, listen, Christian. Well, no, well, no, you needed him on the field at right tackle I, last I, year, I, so you I, couldn't do it. I got that, but if we're in the it, it, once once Deshaun went down, I I mean, I, I almost wonder if it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world just to throw him out there and saw what happened. And if it worked, then great, you move forward. But well, at the time you had Jed healthy, so that's why you didn't. Well, want but to do then that. he did. You're but saying, then he wasn't healthy. Saying, you're saying once he yeah, once you had to throw Christian hurt. in there on the left right. side. Yeah, I, I think this year's where you begin that transition so that he's your starting left tackle in 2025. Let's go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Let's talk to NBA writer for the AP. His name is Brian Mahoney. Been covering the league for a very long time. Brian, how you doing today? I'm good. How's things? 
Things are good. We are trying to figure out uh, what exactly to make of a a weird couple days around the Cavs. They have what might be the signature win of the season, and then they follow it up with just uh, a double overtime game against a Bulls team that the night prior had lost to the Pistons. And fans right now, they're very confused, Brian. <laughs> well, I, I'd want to chalk it up to just the emotion of uh, the one game. Sometimes it's just hard to play the next. It's a, uh, you know, uh, you want to say, okay, move on to the next one, but it's hard to get over a game like that Dallas game was sometimes and turn right around and play again. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think the real Cavs team is, is probably not the one that lost to <laughs> the Chicago there. Well, so that's what we're trying to figure out. Like who with a real Cavs team please stand up? Like who is this real Cavs team in your mind from what you see out of this Cavs team? Who are they to you? Well, I always think in a question like that, you have to sort of look at, you know, how, look, you know, everyone during the season, you know, wins eight out of 10 or loses four out of five, whatever. But you have to look at it over a long course of time. And Cleveland, look, they've been really good since, what, mid-December? I mean, uh, this is not a, like any kind of fluke short run. They've been very, very good for a long time. So I think you have to, you know, give the benefit of the doubt that they're a legit good team. Uh, you know, it's been, what are they, 20 games over 500 since December? Uh, I mean, they're, they're very good. A lot of the conversation around the Cavaliers obviously centers around the season that uh, Donovan Mitchell has been having. Darius Garland, though, he's back in the lineup. And, um, uh, you know, it's hard to see how these two guys really uh, fit together when they're on the floor uh, together. What's your take on uh, how J.B. Bickerstaff has been using them and uh, I guess the the long-term prospects of both of them being able to uh, – have the type of uh, success and level of play that everyone expects them to when they are on the floor together. Yeah, I understand why there's questions all, all the time when a pairing like that happens. I think, you know, credit to Donovan, and I didn't even realize it myself or until I sort of looked at the stats this morning, you know, how good his numbers are in every other category, uh, you know, as far as rebounding and assists and steals, uh, just playing a totally complete game of basketball this season. So, uh, you know, I think when you when you you know do something like that, you can really play with anyone, uh, whether you're the same position in theory or not. And uh, so, you know, I think it works. Uh, you know, much. You know, I don't think it's a concern right now. I think it works just fine because of how well he's played. How do they uh, get going together, though? Because it seems like that they share the spotlight. And what I mean by that, you know, one night or one quarter, it, it's Donovan's turn, and then it flips over to Darius, and then it goes back to Donovan. So, how do they? get to a level where they're both getting a maximum offensive output? It's hard, it's hard to say, uh, honestly. It's, you know, anytime you put a guy, you know, as soon as, you know, Kyrie Irving went to Dallas, I said, how's, you know, how's that going to work with Luka Doncic? Uh, you know, I've been in New York when they brought, you know, Steve France here to play with Stephen Marbury. You always say, wait, these guys can't do this together. It's not going to, you know, whose turn is it going to be? You know, who's, who's going to be the one, who's the two, all that stuff. I get it. It's really just up to them and the coach. And, you know, obviously, I think when you have a team like they have, you've got to find a way to make it work. This is a team that can go very far if these guys play to the level they're supposed to play at. So the motivation is certainly there to find a way to make sure they're doing that. Yeah, Brian, I feel like, though, it's kind of it's funny you mentioned Kyrie because I feel like in the world of uh, Batman and Robin in the NBA, we're always constantly trying to do that. Like, it's Luka, it's Kyrie, it's KD, it's Booker, it's it's Giannis and Dame. Like, we, the list goes on and on. We're making these one-two tandems. Is it fair to suggest now, maybe we thought entering the season it would be Donovan Darius, maybe morph into Donovan Mobley. Is it fair to suggest, even throw you know, Jared Allen in the mix, that the Cavs just, we're just going to live with the idea it's Donovan and then it's going to rotate on any given night? 
I think that's how a lot of good teams end up. Yeah, I think that's a very fair way to say it. And you know, look, I think he's their. I think he's their number one guy. Uh, I think you know this is a pretty all star in the NBA. I think he's the guy you'd look at. But it doesn't mean that you know it's not going to be Garland's night a lot of times or Allen's night sometimes. That's uh, that's just the way it works. And uh, you know, again, if it's all one guy has to dominate all the time, you're not going to go too far. But I think they can find a way to win. Just he will play well all the time, and some nights he's not going to be the best player on the floor for them. If there is a criticism uh, of, of this Cavs team, maybe not even a criticism, a concern, uh, it's the the physical element. We, we saw it during the playoffs last year with the Knicks, who were able to push them around and uh, dispose of them rather quickly uh, in the uh, the first round of the playoffs. There, uh, we've seen this season, um, including the other night, where uh, you know. They got out-rebounded by like 40 by the Bulls, which is uh, <laughs> seems somewhat ridiculous in today's game. But uh, we do see the Cavs, uh, you know, fall to opponents who get real physical with them and and push them around. Are they able, with the, the way this team is uh, presently constructed, do you think that the Cavaliers are able to match physicality come the, the playoffs? And are, are we making too much of that element? Well, no, I mean, it's fair to say, look, when, when you lose a series the way the Cavaliers lost last year when they were, you know, quite honestly manhandled by the Knicks, uh, you know, I, look, people are going to say the same thing. Well, I know they're having a great regular season, but anyone can do that. What happens when it gets physical come playoff time? The defenses get tougher. The, the calls maybe aren't as frequent. They, they have to prove that. I think they know that. I think Jared Allen knows that after the way he played the playoffs last year. That, that you know, Mobley, that's just. Uh, that's part of the job. And, you know, can they do it? I think to be, you know, I think in their favor, there's not a lot of ton of teams like those Knicks were last year that are that physical. Uh, you know, they, they, you don't see teams like that very often. So it's maybe not the same concern at the same time. Yeah. Look, if Cleveland wants to go far, they're going to have to be much better in that regard than they were in the playoffs last year. Brian Mahoney, the AP, joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. So what happens with Donovan? Is it all based off what happens in the postseason, or do you feel like it's already written in the stars, so he'll either sign the extension, or do you feel like there's no way, after what you've seen here with the Cavs, that he signs an extension? <laughs> well, I'm here in New York, so we all think it's I, coming here. You've got an emphasis season, on the Knicks. Right? I know that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, I really don't know. Um, you know, obviously people speculate that, look, everybody wants to go play home someday, Brooklyn or New York or whatever. Uh, but it's been a good situation for him there. Uh, yeah, I know certainly it's an attractive reason to, to consider staying, you know, whether he does or not, I don't know, you know, we'll find out, I guess, but, uh, the Cavaliers certainly, I think have made him feel comfortable. They've given him a winning organization. Uh, it isn't like they've done anything really wrong that I can tell. So, uh, it's going to be, I think, something he's going to think about. Does he have to go to the Eastern Conference Finals to stay, or do you feel like even if they, if they, if they did the same thing they did last year and got knocked in, uh, knocked out in the first round, do you feel like it is that? Because you mentioned it, and I agree with you. I think the, I think the setup here in Cleveland is unique. They let him be the number one. They let him be the guy that scores on any given night. He gets the ball last. He in the final two minutes, it's all on him. It's on his shoulders. I think he relishes in that. Uh, do you feel like the situation is too good that even if he does fall short, he'd consider staying? That would be a good question. Uh, you know, certainly if they, if they lose the same way as last year, then you got to look around, I guess, and say, okay, you know, Boston's not going anywhere. They made a lot of good moves in this summer. Um, you know, Milwaukee obviously got Lillard. Everyone did something better. We didn't go any further. So uh, certainly he may then say we're just not good enough. And, uh, that's that's why you have to win. Everyone knows, like that's uh, you leave it open if you do not advance in the playoffs to your player saying, "I'm not going to win here." So 
the regular season is great, but yeah, uh, if it's if it's a tough decision, it doesn't get any easier if you don't go far. Aside from Boston, who's the team that uh, the Cavaliers, in your view, should worry most about landing uh, in the first round of the playoffs? You know, <laughs> if the Knicks actually got healthy, uh, I would say that's, you know, based on what we saw last year, you don't want that. And the way the Knicks are faltering right now with the injuries, they could fall back to a situation where they would be six or seven and possibly play the Cavaliers in the first round. Uh, you know, if they have all their bodies, if Randall was back and, and Mitchell Robinson was back, uh, yeah, I don't think Cleveland want to see that on paper. But but otherwise, you know, I think they match up with everyone else in the East just fine uh, outside of Boston, who, you know, I think we all believe is the best team top to bottom in the league. You mentioned the Celtics. Is there anyone in the East that can take them out? You know, if if everything went right, I guess, and Milwaukee became the team that, that we thought they could be going into the year, you know, you wouldn't rule out Lillard and, and Giannis, I guess. But, uh, you know, I just think Boston has everything you need, uh, you know, scoring-wise, defense, the bench. Uh, the backcourt is, is just they can shut down teams when you look at White and, and Holiday. So I, I don't really know what you can look at and say you're going to beat the Celtics four times. I mean, I you know, you never rule out anything, but based on what we've watched for the first, you know, three quarters of the season, I, why not pick them to win? Brian, I, I watched a LeBron game a couple nights ago against the Clippers. He raised a 21-point fourth-quarter deficit. I, 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 I don't know. I, do you feel like he could be – it feels like he's just going to play basketball forever. I know he's waiting on his kids to get to the league. It looks like Bronny's going to take a little bit longer than he expected, but <laughs> I, I just – it honestly feels like he's going to play until he's 45. It's insane. Uh, he certainly could. I mean, it's a, I've given up on, you know, people keep saying, look at what he's doing at age 39 or in his 21st season. Just stop mentioning how old he is. <laughs> he's, he's still unbelievable, and he's still better than 95% of the players in the league on any given night. So, uh, you know, are, are they good? You know, is he good enough to do this four times in a series against a better team, you know, can, you know, against the, you know, could you do that against the Clippers in May when he's played, you know, 80 some games, who know, even LeBron is, some things are too tough to ask for, but uh, based on what we've seen, why would you never believe, you know, he can do anything. The guy's just, you know, rate him as high as you want all time and he's earned it. Brian, I don't know how old you are. I know you've been covering the NBA for a long time. I've been doing radio for like 15 years and I feel like you've been, you've been in that space the entire time I've been in this space. How old are you? I am uh, 50 now. 50. Okay, good. All right. So you have a good memory of Mark Price, right? Oh, yes. Okay, good. Mark Price, we have, a, we have a host here at the station. I just want your outside perspective here. We had a host at the station. Uh, actually, host this show. He's off today, though. His name is Nick Wilson. He says that Mark Price in today's NBA uh, would win an MVP, and he also thinks he's as good as Steph Curry. And now, again, outside perspective, do you think he's onto something here? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh, oh, a little bit. <laughs> okay. All right. Not calling him a complete you know, homer. Okay. That, that, no, I, you know, I wouldn't rule out that he might be as, as good a shooter, <laughs> point guard as Steph Curry, playing the way he played. I mean, uh, Mark Price was, was pretty incredible the way he could handle and shoot. But MVP is, uh, uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> Perennial all-star maybe and, uh, uh, you know, uh, all-NBA player uh, certainly. But, but MVP is maybe a little higher level than, than he quite was. What's the uh, is we hit the home stretch here? We got what six, seven weeks left in this uh, regular season. What do you think is the biggest storyline as uh, the league goes down the stretch here before the postseason? Well, it's a little bit a couple guys that you just mentioned, obviously with with LeBron and, and Curry. You know, those teams are not even guaranteed to be in the playoffs yet. I think people are going to be interested to see 
if they do get in, look how good can they be. The Warriors are playing great basketball right now. They just had an incredible uh, February, and, uh, you know, no one is going to, you know, you wouldn't look at Minnesota or Oklahoma City and say these teams are going to win because they haven't done it before. So I think people are curious if those teams in the West can, can make a great run. And, you know, in the East, I guess it would be, look, is, you know, as we mentioned, Milwaukee, will they become the team that people thought, you know, people thought this was going to be a great two-team race with them in Boston. It has not been. Uh, there's still some time for Milwaukee, but, uh, you know, I just don't know if they'll get to the level Boston's at. Everyone's on a 40,000-point watch for LeBron. Uh, ESPN's Dave McManaman brought up a good point. He's already passed it if you include, like, the you know, the, the, the play-in tournament or whatever you want to call that. Um, what should That's the NBA <laughs> do with those points? Because it, it seems like LeBron's not getting credit for those points, and so he still has to get the 40,000. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I can't let anything about myself, but yeah, they, 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 you know, they've made up some things as the years have gone on. They haven't quite figured out how to handle yet. Um, you know, based on the points and even, uh, you know, the first year they did it when eight played nine and the uh, team got in, I said, well, are they the eight seed or the nine seed then? And someone said, why, why does it matter? We never talked about it. I said, well, because they'd be the first nine seed to make it in, in theory. And, but, you know, there's they're sort of, as they make changes here, they have to figure out how to handle that. But, yeah, those are points he earned. He scored in games that, uh, you know, went down in history. They actually were played and happened, so you should get credit for them. But uh, will they ever go back and retroactively fix it? It's a very good question. No, people paid tickets. We watched it on TV. It happened. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to see it taken away at all. Brian, thanks for your time. You're always generous uh, with your time. and We appreciate you hopping on. And uh, thanks for being very generous in the way of Mark Price, too. Uh, you didn't have to be, but you were. I think, I think locally we appreciate <laughs> hey, that here. Thank you, I Brian. I remember watching him as a kid. I liked him very much, so I'm not going to say anything bad about him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a stud. Absolute stud. Thank you, Brian. Take care, guys. For asking you guys, what do the Cavs need to show you to make them a real East contender? And we're trying to figure out. Basically, you know, Nick had it yesterday. Nick was like, are they the 18-2 and two team, or are they the team that uh, you've seen over the previous couple weeks? And I think that's a question that's on a lot of people's minds here, Dale. I think that there's only really one question to ask about the Cavaliers, and it's a very basic, simple one. Okay. Are they tough enough? Because that's what the playoffs are all about. And we found out last year, no, they weren't. <laughs> the, the, the Knicks had their way with them. Um, and that's why that Bulls game was so disappointing on so many right. levels. But I, it was it kind of exposed the same thing we saw in the Knicks series. And I know it was one game, and I know it went to double overtime, overtime, and I know you played three games in four days, but it just it highlighted it. It put a spotlight on that ideology right there. Well, we've seen this in you know throughout the season that they struggle most when teams shove them around mm-hmm. and are extra physical with them. And... We saw the Orlando game. They were really bothered by the Magic's length and the the physicality. Now, granted, we can sit here and debate what the official should or should not have been calling in that game, right? How many offensive fouls they missed. And what, it's immaterial. If it doesn't get called, it doesn't get called. you got to play through it, right? So that, for me, is my greatest concern. Is this basketball team physical enough? Are they strong enough? Not so much mentally, but but physically. You know, can they get knocked around and respond? And I think that on the the answers that we've seen to that question are not the answers Cavs fans would like to hear. Like, so um, I am legitimately concerned about that aspect going into the playoffs. I think it. Look, this is a good basketball team. They're fun to watch. It's a great locker room. Okay, Donovan Mitchell. 
is the antithesis of what the national media want to keep painting out there as far as him wanting to get out of Cleveland and that. He, that that's not who yeah, he I don't is. think there's a storyline that doesn't match up more than the idea that he wants to be out of Cleveland and then like if you're here, you see that that's nowhere close to truth. Right. Because um, he doesn't act like it. He doesn't talk like it. Even uh, from day one. Right. Day one, he was like, I just want to be in a place that has a baseball team in a real sports city, basically. <laughs> that's how right. he dogged Utah. He was like, I, I'd love the idea of being able to go to a baseball game. And what does he do? He goes to the baseball games. Right. He goes to the football games. Like, you can tell he, he wrapped his arms around it, and I understood some yeah. of his complaints about Salt Lake City. But, but, you know, as much as I love Jared Allen, he's not a mean player. Like, he's just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He, well, he, I, he, yeah, we, he, he we've plays. been wondering now for how long, but but the, the questions come up, right? Like, are they too are they too nice? And I, I remember talking about this uh, like a week and a half back or so. What after the All Star game? It was All Star weekend. Um, there was an interview with Chuck and Dame, and and Chuck was like, "Hey, listen, you got to get meaner. You and Giannis, you guys are too nice. You, Giannis, and Doc, it's going to fall on you guys if it doesn't work. But you and Giannis, you guys are too nice." You guys got to be a little tougher. You got to be a little bit meaner. You got to do a, a little bit more of those type of things. Yep. And I, I related it back to this Cavs team because I, I think Donovan's got a little of that in him. Not necessarily being mean, but I think I think Donovan can be like, hey, be at your spot. We're doing it this way and this way and this way. I, I just don't know that anybody else in that team has that. Yeah. You know, they have to find the happy medium of how to shove back when you get shoved. Not, I'm not saying, you know, pick fights and stuff like that, but if – a guy is being very physical with you, you know, push and shove and elbow and whatever. You got to dish it back a little should bit. We, should we have honestly, you know, we laughed at it at the time. Should we have gone out and gotten a Dylan Brooks or someone? Someone that's like a, an enforcer in the NBA? Well, I, I think that the thought was of them, you know, bringing Tristan Thompson back. That Tristan Thompson was going to be that quote-unquote enforcer type of a personality for them. Well, I, and I know they wanted that with Niang. Right. And they definitely and, wanted that with Struess as well. And, and like that and, was an, there was an emphasis, a point of emphasis within the offseason. Get guys that can shoot and also guys that had a little bit more of that, that mean streak to them. But right. I... It didn't work and out we've the way seen they a little, We've seen a little bit so with Struess. We've seen a little bit with Yang in stretches, right, where they, they yeah, are I mean, they're, afraid they're, to... They're tougher than Allen because Allen and Mobley are, uh, I mean, they're Care Bears. Yeah, like, I, I think Allen is, Allen's too nice. Like, uh, yes, which which we knew when he was in right. Brooklyn, right? Like, what, I, I'll never forget the headline. It was on uh, uh, one of the New York papers, and it, it was doing a whole expose on Jared Allen. And the, and the headline was talking about uh, how he's the NBA's nerdiest player. Like, all right, great. We got a guy that's the NBA's nerdiest player and likes to work on computers in his free time. We have another guy that likes to solve Rubik's Cubes and do all the other stuff. Like, I mean, it's not like it was hard to identify that these guys weren't going to be the meanest of people. They're very, very well. What, well, exactly what you would think humans. That the, the the Bill Russell legend, right? Throw an elbow, and you'll never have to do it again, right? I just throw one, right? Just throw one, so that they see you through one, and you'll never have to do it again. I like that. I like that I, a lot, to be honest. I, I, I kind of feel like that. That's but, but if what, Jared Allen threw an elbow, I don't think anyone would buy into it. We'd be like, oh. <laughs> we'd be like, we don't believe you. We can we can tell you as it, like you'd slow down the image. You know how when J Ram socked Tim Anderson. And like they had that big fight, it was like I mean that was there was no holds bar. You could tell J Ram had sparred at some point in life, and that was a that was a hook, right? 
You'd, you'd slow down the imagery of Jared Allen throwing a punch, and he would be, like, grimacing within his own eyes, his eyes closed, and, like, he'd frowning be a, as he did it. No, he'd be apologizing as he does. Yeah, he'd be like, yeah. He'd, he'd be, be winding up to take two minutes. I'm he'd, sorry! And he'd then hit him. Hit him. <laughs> and then as, he's, as the guy falls down, he'd be, like, trying to pick him up and be like, I'm sorry, where can I send the edible arrangement? I'm so sorry. How do I, how do I make this right? But, but I, 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 you know, so that's, that's the thing for these guys. Like, they're, they're a good team. They're fun to watch. Um, they have a lot of talent, but I can see them matching up against the wrong team that shoves them around a little bit in the playoffs. And I hate to say it, but if that happens, I worry that their stay in the postseason will be well as long as it was last April. All right, is Daryl right? Are the Cavs too soft? Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Like, is that your biggest? Put it up on the poll. I, Are I the Cavs like Charmin re- soft or regular soft? You I, tell I, us. I, I would like the record to reflect I did not use the term soft. I just said they need to be meaner. Can I get a jury on this one? Can we? Can we? Do I have to go to the Russian judge, Keith Britton? I don't even know if you're Russian. Uh, do we? Can I get? A, can I get a ruling on this? Can you be? Can you be anything but soft with how uh, Daryl described that right there? I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure you all but called him soft. I did not use the term soft. What term would you use? Did you use the term? I just said they needed to be meaner. If you Implying lack, that if you lack meanness, they lack meanness and they're, and they're soft. Basically, I'm trying to call them soft. Without okay, actually good. All right, all right good. Hey, listen, you're, you're, you're <laughs> hanging it, out you, with us now. You got it out of me. Uh, you're hanging out with us. We're, there's no, nothing proper has to happen here. We get in the mud. You got it out of me. Yeah, ah. use, use terms that when you see these people in the locker room, they give you dirty looks. That's what hey, we go for here. Hey, when you got to go, you got to go. Just don't squeeze the Charmin. Oh, that's why a lot of sports radio hosts don't actually go into the locker rooms for being honest about it anymore. All right, 216474 to below 92. <laughs> I do feel bad for you in that respect. I, 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 I watch you come in here i force you to throw grenades and and lob all sorts of heavy heavy handed words in their direction and then we immediately send you right back into the locker room to to go ahead and face everyone and anyone hey i may or may not have had players want to beat the tar out of me hey but you know i mean it's not i I didn't force the words out of jared allen when he said the lights were too bright he he voluntarily offered that one up I hope he learned from that, but he voluntarily off that, well, offered that the, one up. But you're seeing at times where they don't respond to the physicality, and it it costs some games. And that's all the playoffs are going to be like that. That's what the NBA playoffs. Are. It's it's completely different from the regular season. Now, could they be physical though if they even wanted to? Is the question I would ask. I know you you guys are both. You're going to be like well, they're, you're going to be like they're six foot uh, ten. They're they're People confuse them to be trees at times. They're very well, tall. But, but I mean... They might be tall, but... They're both very skinny. They're built like Twizzlers. Okay, the two of them. Between Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. I mean, and, I need and, to offer them some of my protein shakes that I'm drinking in between the break. And both of them could snap you in half without even thinking twice. Well, yeah, they got 10 inches on me. I mean, of course they're going to be able to snap me in half if they want to. They're not, they're not going up against me. They're going up against... Andre Drummond can snap either one of them in half if he wants to, and he showed it. He showed it the other day, and that's that's part of the problem here. Like, I'm wondering, I, I know we asked them to be tougher, and we asked them to be this and that. I, I, I don't even know with the way that they're built if they can be, even if they wanted to. You know who they need? And this really pains me to say this. 
They need Draymond Green. Oh, I thought you, I thought you were going to say a, a, a GNC card. Okay, sorry. No. Um, okay, all right. Uh, yeah, Draymond. That's why I brought up Dylan Brooks. Like you think Draymond, you think Dylan Brooks. They're they they're, need, they're very different players, they, obviously, but they're both enforcers. We don't have many yeah. NBA enforcers left. Draymond Which, does the dirty work. Draymond gets into the nasty stuff that nobody wants to. Is it wrong that I I miss like teams like the Bad Boy Pistons? No, it's not wrong. I mean, I think a lot of people. Think about those type of eras in, like, in fond we're, ways. We're in this era, too, in sports where everybody loves everybody, right? Everybody's friends with everybody. That's right. That was social Mo- media's helped with that, right? Mostly because You're, of yeah. social media, mostly because of how transient pro sports has become, right? You never know who you're going to Not as many agencies either is a thing a lot of people right. don't discuss, but like it's but so you want to be really, cool with people that are in certain agencies and I, you go parties that the agencies throw and you get to know them. I really miss the days where you just had bitter hatred for dudes. Like, you you respected them. Like, Bird and Magic hated each other, but they respected each other. But they hated each other. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I miss those days where you, where you had players that legit hated each other, respected them, couldn't stand to be in the same room with them either. Like, I miss those days. Yeah, like, like they wouldn't I'm, even I'm do, like, promo think, videos together because yeah, they'd be so mad I'm at each other. I'm trying to think of today, even, like, NBA or... No, the problem is like Mahomes and Josh Allen go golfing together. Yeah, like I can't think of anyone where there is that bitter hatred between superstars. Our very best young stars don't hate each other. Yeah. You know, Shohei Otani, the only feud he's got going on right now is the media because he married what he called a normal Japanese woman. That's his words, not mine. He said normal. It was a weird way to put it, but he put it out there. And and then everyone's like, oh, what's going on here? Like this is odd. But he's got no he's got no peers in baseball that hate him. Mike Trout doesn't have a single person that hates him. In the NFL, again, Mahomes and Allen, they like, go golfing together. You watch it on TV. It was like where's the match. Albert Bell v Fernando Vina? Wow, <laughs> right? It just doesn't exist. It's, it not, just, it's, it's not a thing. Everyone wants to be cool with everyone. Right. That's the world a, a, we live in right yeah, now. Yeah, everyone's friends with everyone. And that's fine. I, honestly, I think that's a healthy thing for a lot of the environments that we're trying to, that we're talking about. I think that's I mean, Joe, a very healthy like, look way at, of looking at life is to like, hey, let's be cool with these people instead of hating our, uh, you know, these people that also share the same interests as us and are trying to just be great. Uh, you know what I Joe think? Joe Thomas had a Steeler present him with his gold jacket at the Hall of Fame. I think, though, but I, yeah, but I think what happened here... Well, that was that was circumstantial more than it was. No, anything. like what are we doing? I think I think the athlete, the high you power. The as high, much as I love Joe, you can't have a Steeler present you with your gold jacket. He's a Steeler. The high, the high powered athlete in my mind, though, the difference here is that I feel like they take so much heat from people on Twitter and online and social media as it is that it almost becomes like a band of brothers. Like, why am I going to take it from you and dish it out to you guys when I you get it in so many corners already? You already have so many anonymous people that you don't know in your life telling you you suck. You don't need the people that you actually do know telling you you suck as well. And I think there's also a recognition for how hard it is, too. I that just, just I, in the 80s just didn't exist in a lot of ways because, like, like Jordan, if Jordan didn't want to, if Jordan wanted no criticism, he didn't have to face any criticism. Like, it just didn't exist the way that it, it does now. And so I feel like there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, but then if you, met up, if you met up with Bird on the court, there was no running from that. And Bird oh, knew, yeah. and Bird knew that. Oh, yeah. And you weren't getting it from so many directions, right? And so if Larry Bird told you trash talk, that was the only trash talk you were getting in any given day, and you could be shook by it. Nowadays, Kevin Durant takes on blog boys uh, for breakfast. Like that's what he does. You're not getting. How are you getting that Kevin Durant 
when he he actively seeks out arguments with people online, yeah. he's calloused over. There's no there's nothing you can say to Kevin Durant to get to Kevin Durant at this point. Yeah, Draymond Green would have loved playing in the 1980s, yeah, but in like, 1990s. What, what what are you going to say to Kevin Durant that's going to get him on tilt? Nothing. That's why Draymond and Dylan Brooks are so effective. Is because they yeah. bypass the trash talk and they go straight for the chandelier. They just they'll just <laughs> kick you in the, in, the, in the stones and don't even they don't even think twice about it. It's a different world. You said that the Cavs got to get a little meaner. We went over all the different ways that we believe they could get meaner. I just don't know if it's actually in their DNA, Daryl. And I think that's going to be one of the the talking points as we go closer and closer to the postseason. And I really do feel like as we get closer and closer to the postseason, more people are going to be forgetful of what happened in the Bulls game. They're going to just cleanse their mind of some of the recent past couple weeks. And they're going to focus in on some of these games we have coming up here uh, starting this weekend. And you're going to have a lot of big games. Obviously, Detroit tonight is not a big game, even though Detroit (laughs) did beat Chicago the day prior to us losing to Chicago, for whatever that's worth. Uh, but we got a, we got some tough games coming up on the schedule here, and some really truly identifying to where we stand in the in the Eastern Conference. So tonight is what I call a get well game. Hopefully, that's again that's what the Bulls thought on the it night needs, prior. It, it needs to be for the Cavs, and the Bulls went two well. for twelve hundred from the perimeter, and it was like <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Bob up next on the fan. What's up, Bob? Hello, um, uh, this is Bob, first time caller. And I'm very frustrated with um Hey Bob, Bob I'm happy it's your yeah. first call. Next time you call in though, you don't have to tell yeah. us your name is Bob if I say Bob, I'm going to you, okay? I got oh, I got it down. Okay. I got it down. It's, okay. it's noted. Okay, good, good, good. Good. Hey, All right, glad so we're on the same my, page. My, my comment is Jared Allen. And and something I haven't heard you guys talk about, or maybe I missed it, is to me when I see him on the court against other centers and, and other players in general, he looks like he's never lifted a weight in his life. He looks like he's, he could gain some weight. Get a weight training program. Get the coaches to get get on his butt. I offered him protein shakes last stronger. segment. Was that not good enough, Bob? What's that? I offered him protein shakes last segment. Was that not good enough? I, I, I must have missed that, but I, I just wish he would lift weights. You look at him against other players, and he he just looks weak, physically weak. I mean, he could he has no t- muscle tone on his arms. Bob, do you have a program and, you can send him? Uh, no, I wish I did. I wish you did too, man. We were so close there. Do, do, do you think does he lift weights? Do you guys see him ever lift weights? I would hope he lifts weights. I mean, I would think he does. I something. mean, do, doesn't he look soft? To he you might guys? not. Hey, do you remember when Kevin Durant was in the draft and he couldn't he couldn't bench press a single? Like you know, they had the bench press at the combine for the draft. He didn't get one rep on the bench in the, in the combine, not one. Yeah, but he's a totally different player. No, Jared I know, Allen's I never... know. I just thought it was fascinating, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, Allen, he, he put I mean, on he put on some muscle. Kevin Durant did. Yeah, he did, and I think Jared Allen needs to do that in the off season because right. we, we and and one other comment we we had a guy that I'm disappointed we we don't have anymore. He plays for the Knicks right now. He's a backup. I can't remember his name. We had him for a year or two. He's one of their centers, a backup center, and he had a mean streak in that I really liked when we played him in the playoffs last year. Do you know who I'm talking about? Jeez, I, I, I don't know who you're talking about. Daryl, do you know who Bob's talking about? I'm Googling it as we speak. All right, we'll get that, we'll get that locked up for you. All right, thank you, Bob. Okay, thanks a lot. All right, thank you, Bob. I don't know who he's talking about. That was Bob. That was Bob. I, I would rate Bob's first call into a sports radio show. What about Bob?
we obviously the like the the obvious connection there is if you think Jared Allen isn't tough enough and you think Evan Mobley isn't tough enough, you'd probably want them to both put on weight and you probably want them to get bigger so they can hang with the Vuceviches and the Andre Drummonds of the world because they clearly weren't able to against Chicago the other night. I mean, Andre Drummond still might be pulling down rebounds. Uh, the game's been over for 48 hours, and I think I just spotted him the other day or the other uh, uh, last hour I, I think, on the court still think, grabbing boards. I, I think as you just said that, he just pulled down his I'm 99. Pretty sure. Pretty game. sure he just got another one. I, I it's wild. But I I don't know what the answer is. It's not as simple as you've been around these guys. It's not as simple as just saying, hey, put on weight and then we'll watch you get bigger when your mentality, I don't believe, is that of somebody that's a an enforcer or somebody that's gonna be, even if they had the strength, somebody that's going to use the strength. That's why I did the profile. I, I highlighted the profile of Jared Allen from what his time in New York when they said he was the the NBA's nerdiest player. Like, that's who he is. And I, listen, just, just because you're a nerd doesn't mean you can't be an enforcer. Miles Garrett is a hell of a nerd, and he's an enforcer. But it does come with the tones that you're not going to be, historically, somebody that wants to get mean and rough with people. And I feel like Jared Allen is, he's that to a T. They just need to get mean. That's my diagnosis of the Cavaliers. Just need to get mean. But and if they did, it would, it would feel, it'd feel weird at this point, would it not? If Jared Allen all of a sudden socked a dude on a court. Or Jared Allen all of a sudden uh, started pushing players around and started making his presence known. It would it would be weird. It would look weird. But that's what they got to do. That's what they got to do. And JB's got to push that message then. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Josh up next. What's up, Josh? Good afternoon. So your previous caller, he obviously has no idea what it's like to have your jaw wired shut, be only on a liquid diet, and end up losing weight because of that. That happens to everybody that would break their jaw, not just alone an athlete. Darius, yes, he's struggling, but who wouldn't struggle after that injury and coming back with his face being what it looks like to be a magnet just to get hit two or three times a game? And that's the hard part when it comes to Garland. And thank you, Josh. I appreciate you. I mean, I don't know how Garland (sighs) – you break your jaw. He's in Paris. He has to bring a blender out on his table to go ahead and blend up his steak. True story. In Paris. He's got the uh, big fancy restaurant. The whole entire team's there. All these fancy people around him. And he's the dude that brought a blender to a restaurant to go ahead and mush his steak up to be able to drink it. Like, that does something to a man. Like, that's... I I understand why you'd have some hesitancy after that, but he's got to get over it. He's had some tough luck, um, and this actually came up uh, in conversation with J.B. Bickerstaff a few weeks ago in regards to Darius and the facial contact that he's had to deal with and the facial injuries uh, that he's had to recover from. But look, I mean, remember, they're human beings too. And, um, you know, I I don't expect that like Darius Garland is going to go out there and be the enforcer. No, But what you need, though, is the next time, you know, someone gets hit in the face uh, pretty pretty strongly on a foul, which, by the way, we see at least one of those, it seems, a game. Somebody needs to do something on the that's on the floor for the Cavaliers to make it known that you're not going to want to ever do that again. By the way, Isaiah Hardenstein is the guy that people are thinking okay. of right here. Isaiah Hardenstein. I forgot that he played in the Cavs in 2021. Me too. Sorry, Bob. That's okay. You know, I think Hardenstein, I think Clippers. Classic me. I mean, just a, just a big mess out there. That's all that is. All right, Seth Walter is his name. 
That's the man at ESPN. I say is his name as if like he hasn't been around the NFL for years. He's been... Uh, but he did come up with one of the more absurd offseason proposals. Well, all right. So I, which one's more absurd? Him or Mike Tannebaum? Tannebaum's well, suggesting... Well, yeah, him. that's true. That, that's fair. Honestly, I kind of want you to rank him right now. Uh, one, uh, one and number two between Daniel Jones for Deshaun Watson and then what Seth Walter had to say where he suggests that the Browns should... Be a long shot Justin Fields destination because he can be acquired without a first round pick, wouldn't take up significant salary cap space, and who knows, perhaps Coach Kevin Stefanski could unlock his upside. I'm going to say uh, Tannenbaum wins by a mile. Okay, by a mile. All right, that's by, good. Because By a mile. It's n- it's not even close. Okay, because it really didn't feel like you were too happy with Seth Walter here. No, I, it, by all accounts, he's like a really nice guy. It, I'm sure. I'm sure he's a lovely man. Yeah, it seems very nice. But it's... A ridiculous premise that's never going to happen. Um, but I go Tannenbaum because he's a former GM. Granted, fired twice, which might this might explain why he's been fired twice. Um, <clears throat> him saying that the Browns should trade Deshaun Watson this offseason without actually realizing if the Browns did trade okay, Deshaun. But, but hey, hang on. Let me finish. Okay. If they trade Deshaun, the Browns will be subject to I got excited. a $200 million salary cap hit. Right. Again, it's, it's not this, happening. It's this thing I call reality that we keeps creeping in. We know it's not happening. But what is fascinating to me, Daryl, is that the Daniel Jones conversation came and the Daniel Jones conversation went, and As nobody. It but but again, nobody in that conversation was like, "I need Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is going to be the answer." We are having people, and this is not a. It's not a straw man discussion. This is not something where all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're just making up people out of thin air or something. It's not something we do anyway, but you know what I mean? I know some people are like, oh, well, you guys are you having this discussion, but only one person is ever really, really considering Justin Fields over Deshaun Watson. I'm going to get you the results in a second. We'll bring Keith in for the poll in a second, but I'm, I'm getting tweets. We just talked about it at the five at five. I got Keith here on Twitter saying he likes Fields as a quarterback over Watson because Fields has never had a good situation in Chicago, kind of like Mayfield early in Cleveland. He's not sold on uh, Williams drafting Harrison, would go a long way. And then he talks about the Bears a little bit. I got Bob saying he thinks he would rather have Justin Fields and Watson is a headache. Uh, Keith, how are we doing on the poll? Yeah, on I mean, this, drive? Is, this is no small number. I mean, we're in the thousands now votes. Okay. Uh, Justin Fields, 62%. 62%. So the majority of the fan base, and what's in Cleveland, Afternoon Drive, if you follow them on Twitter, you're likely in Cleveland. At a minimum, you are a Browns fan. Like They want Justin Fields. And, and listen, I don't want Justin Fields. I want Deshaun Watson. I've made that abundantly clear. But I, I, I think I'm seeing a trend. And it really comes down with the idea that Justin Fields is a 20 to 25 quarterback in the NFL. He's not top 10. He's nowhere yeah. close to top 10. He's never thrown for 3000 yards. He's got a 40 touchdown to 30 interception ratio in his NFL career. He's won he won 5 games in his first 2 years. He only won 5 games himself last year. Like I mean, there's a lot I can say negatively about Justin Fields. But the reality is he's a 20 to 25 quarterback and the fan base is saying we want that over what the question mark is and the headaches that are Deshaun Watson. And I don't care if the if the actual base of the conversation might be more la la land than reality. This and the reaction attached to it is real and does tell me there's a lot of frustration within this fan base about continuing on with Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's not like you're it's not like you're you're dropping Deshaun Watson to draft Caleb Williams here. 
somebody that you think is going to be the next great quarterback in the NFL. They're willing to part (laughs) with Deshaun Watson to pick up the Bears trash. Yeah. And I use that term in a nice way because I like Justin Fields, but that is what he is. He is the he is basically the Bears version of three days old Chinese food. They don't want him anymore. They're done with it and they're not going back to it. My goodness. You just called him three days old Chinese food. I mean, what are we doing here, though? But like that, and then and look at the responses here. Sixty three percent are saying they want Justin Fields. Hell, when we put it out on the poll initially, and I want you guys, I want people, people to call in two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. I don't want you guys to hide behind the keyboard on this one. I don't want you guys just to sit there and be like, I can say anything on Twitter. Who cares? I want you to call in. I want you to defend it because I, I think Deshaun Watson. Although he hasn't done enough here in a Browns uniform, I feel like the idea that more people than not want Justin Fields over Deshaun Watson is not fair to Deshaun Watson and and moves us further away from the reason why you acquired Deshaun Watson. And that was to try to win Super Bowls. The same reason why the Bears are going for Caleb Williams. The upside is much greater. I know he hasn't shown it to you guys, so it's a really hard sell. But the upside is much greater with Deshaun Watson and what he can be and what you've seen with Justin Fields so far in Justin Fields' NFL career. So, um, since you uh, equated Justin Fields to uh, spoiled Chinese food. Yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give you some quarterbacks, and you can tell me if these guys qualify as spoiled Chinese food. Okay, okay. Uh, are, are you By, ready? Using, using that metric and that metric alone. Yes. yes. All right, okay, uh, yeah. Okay, ready? Yes. Uh, uh, Ty Detmer? Yes. Uh, Doug Peterson? Yeah, I mean, can you give me somebody from the high-def TV era, please? Uh, um, Ken Dorsey. I, I, am I getting it yet? Is, I, I, I want you to make your point is what I want you to make. Uh, Jake DeLome. You know my answers here. What are you getting at? Thaddeus Lewis? Brian Hoyer. How about, oh, you're that's just, a good you're, one. You're, Brian you're, Hoyer. I get it. I get what you're doing, but I don't understand why you're doing it. Um, Josh McCown. Are you going for stability? No, I, I'm just going for like the... Like the you're gonna, like, wait, that's where the Browns are currently at? Is that what you're implying? Is, is that what you would get if you had... R- RG3, definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, I forgot. Man, I, can I tell you really quickly, when, when RG3 got here, we did a we did a station poll, and uh, not a poll like online or anything like that, but it was like a, something for the internet. And they asked So every, yeah, that would be they, online poll. They, yeah, they asked every host how many games RG3... No, because it wasn't a poll because you got to fill in your own answer. That's different. That, that's No, that's a poll. No. Poll, you have to choose. It's a survey. It's poll, a survey. Poll, you choose. You fill in like a Scantron, like you're filling it, it in. It was a survey. Survey is the right way to put that. And they asked how many games did RG3 play that year. And I was the only person that said 16, and I was way wrong. You got injured in the first game. Eagles game. What, are your, what is your point, though? Make your larger point. Uh, my, my, my larger point is, is just the ridiculousness of the whole premise of Justin Fields being a Cleveland Brown. Like, that's, that's what you're doing. We're just going back to that. Like, you know, oh, you, you think he's in Ken Dorsey and he's, he to me it's is it, oh it, you think he's he, you think he's less than just a as, guy as logical as the Steelers sticking with the two Stooges they've got. Ooh, 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 ooh. like tough, the Steelers should go tough, after Justin Fields. Daryl here, okay. The Steelers and I think the Steelers are going to go after Justin Fields. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, the word out know. of Pittsburgh is they love them some Mason Rudolph. Yeah, that whole conversation's weird. Because I feel like the... No, that whole conversation is the conversation that we 
had been having in Cleveland so I've, I've from 1999 to 2020. I don't, I don't think Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin really believe that Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett are the answer. And I think even Mason Rudolph there, if you go I, with I would Kenny hope Pickett not because weird. if they do, they both no, should No, I think be it's fired. the owner. I think it's the owner. I, and I, I've talked to people in Pittsburgh, and they believe the owner loves the idea of Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph, and that's not really what Omar Khan, it's not really – what Mike Tomlin thinks either. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Yeah, the, the keyboard warriors have put the keyboard down and picked up a phone. So here we go. I like that. I'm bracing for impact. Eric, up next on the fan. What's up, Eric? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hey, man. So, uh, I mean, quite frankly, like, what what are we really talking about here? Deshaun Watson's not good. He's just not. Look at his stats. Like, if you look at um, what you call, I uh, just. Justin Fields' stats compared to Watson's in the last two seasons, he's had better numbers. He's had a better rating. You're just making that up. That's that's you're just making no, that I'm up. I'm not making that up. Look it up on ESPN or whatever site you want. He has better numbers. I'm and not not passing numbers. When he runs. I mean, now Deshaun's been injured, so it's going to be skewed. Deshaun only played five games. Like it doesn't. That's it's very hard to compare overall numbers based off of that. Well, that's why they have passer ratings. And passer rating's a real thing. Yeah, all right. And so last year by- in five games, in, in what was considered to be a whatever year for Deshaun Watson, they were within two passer rating of each other, where uh, Justin Fields was 86.3, Deshaun Watson was 84.3. I'm going to take the upside okay, so- of Deshaun Watson and where he was headed over Justin Fields having a full year and looking exactly the same he did his rookie year in year three. What 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 is the upside of Deshaun Watson? We're... We're talking about a 28-year-old. The man threw for 4,800 yards at one point in his life. And, and been suspended most of his Cleveland Browns life. Well, I mean, what is the upside? Suspended? Here? Yeah, but that was not football-related. That's a completely different thing. The upside well, is no, the upside is he's one of four quarterbacks to throw for 4,800 yards, 30-plus touchdowns, and fewer than 10 interceptions in a year. That's the upside. That, that was a- you know this, John. Like it's this—it's that's a decade ago in football. Like I don't care what he did in 2019. I don't care what he did at Clemson. Like we got to look at right now. What is going okay, on? Okay, but what right you now? said, what you said, you thought was a bad quarterback was within a point and a half of a quarterback, and you use your—I'm using your passer rating was a within a point and a half of a quarterback that you think is good. I'm con- like, like, don't you see the the positive upside potential of Deshaun Watson relative to Justin Fields, where Justin Fields has been the same quarterback in year one as he's been in year three, and that's part of the problem I have with Justin Fields. But he's never thrown for twenty six hundred yards in a season. He had only thrown for sixteen touchdowns last year. Sixteen, that's it. He had a full season. He threw for sixteen touchdowns last year after throwing for seventeen the year prior. Russell Wilson gets beat up like a rag doll on this on Twitter uh, through uh, the, the phone lines. And he threw 26 last year. So what are we doing here? Okay, so Justin Fields is younger. He is in that Bears uh, offensive scheme, which is not very good, and they go through offensive coordinators like crazy. Justin Fields is more healthy than Watson. He's younger, has more upside. Yeah, sure, his passer rating has not been great. I'm not saying it's been great, but look, the numbers are comparable compared to Deshaun, unless you're going to go back a decade ago when Deshaun was actually really but they're, good. But they're right on line with – and, Eric, I got to let you go, man. I do appreciate you, though. They're, they're, they're right on line – you got to turn your mic on. They're right on line relative to what you guys believe was a bad Deshaun Watson year, like his passer rating, his completion percentage. Like they're, like, they're identical to what you just saw with Deshaun in a year that you guys want to tell me you think is bad with Deshaun. Nobody loves upside more than Browns fans.
then they should love Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson should give you the most upside I, out of this conversation, should he not? I, no one loves it more than Browns fans. Deshaun should give you the upside. That's the sad part about this discussion is that Justin Fields is the same quarterback he was in year one, in year three. Like, use passer rating. Year two, he had 85.2. Year three, he had 86.3. Like, I'm going to use your own numbers with you here. He's never thrown for 2,600 yards. Do you guys know how bad that is? He doesn't throw a bunch of touchdowns as a passing quarterback, and he's wildly inaccurate, all things considered. As a passing quarterback, Justin Fields is not it. You don't need now, to. He's, he's a dynamic runner, you don't but that's need to why sell people me. fall in love with him. He's a dynamic runner, and he makes good Twitter highlights. That's why people fall in love with him. Watch the games, pay attention. You don't need to sell me. This is not good news for Deshaun Watson, guys. This is not this is not a good development for Deshaun. That 63% of the fan base is saying, we'll take a guy that, as of right now, is probably the 20th best quarterback in the NFL, somewhere in that range, 20th to 25th. We'll take that over what we believe can be something with Deshaun Watson. Just not a good development. 216474 to below 92. We'll continue with your phone calls. I, I'm just I'm fascinated by it. Seth Walder making the case, and you guys aren't, you guys aren't clapping back against it. Not in the way that I'm anticipated. We're reacting to Seth Walter, and in the piece, Seth Walter says he thinks a long shot Justin Fields destination should be your Cleveland Browns. We know that's not going to happen, obviously, but the part that is surprising to at least this sports fan is the idea that we put a poll out there. Uh, Keith, we're now in the thousands as far as this poll yeah. is concerned? Yeah, well over a thousand. Okay, all right, so we're in the thousands, and uh, was it 63, 62%? It's right at six, it's just over 62%. Okay, 62% of Browns fans, and I'm saying you're a Browns fan if you're on 92.3 The Fan and you're following 92.3 The Fan on Twitter, it's a safe assumption you're a Browns fan. 62% want Justin Fields over Deshaun Watson. And it just, I don't, I don't get it. Now, I have not been as high on on Deshaun, or excuse me, on Justin Fields as I have been on Deshaun Watson and what Deshaun Watson showed us last year and where I think Deshaun Watson could take it. Uh, mainly because I think Justin Fields, I think he is who he is. Never thrown for 3,000 yards. Doesn't throw for a bunch of passing touchdowns. Is not wildly accurate. In fact, you can make an argument that that is the worst part of his game is his accuracy. And I understand Deshaun Watson's numbers didn't exactly light up the scoreboard last year. But I'll take the upside of Deshaun over what I've currently seen from Justin Fields. But Ohio State has to factor into this as well, Daryl. A lot of these listeners and a lot of people we have here watch Justin Fields at Ohio State. They believe that Chicago wrecked him. And Chicago was a place where quarterbacks do historically go to die. And they think there's something more there. I find it fascinating, though. This is where we're at. And they expect that the Browns are going to fix him? Have they missed the last four decades of Browns football? Yeah, and that's the other part. You have to find a quarterback then that would be so talented they can overcome any equation name that they me, would be put into. Name me the last quarterback the Cleveland Browns fixed. No, no, no. Can't do that one. Okay. Can't do that one. Two one six four Didn't seven four so. to below ninety two. Yeah, yeah. Uh Pat, up next. What's up, Pat? Yeah, gentlemen, Jonathan, Daryl, I love your show, man. Hey, so I got a question. I'm all in that son. I think this is the year. If he goes down, what do we do? Pray. Probably the same thing we did this last year. Yeah, yeah. You toss up a couple well, Hail Marys and hope that one of them land. DTR, um, PKR. I, I, what well, do we right, do? right now it's DTR subject to whatever they do in the offseason here. Um, I, I can't imagine that P.J. Walker is in the plans. I think that they saw enough of P.J. Walker. Um, so did I. But, so are, you, so are, you guys, are you guys all in on Deshaun? I mean, well, I well it's not, it doesn't here. matter if we are. The, the Browns are. That's what matters. Like, um, you know, 
my opinion or my views or whatever is or the way I look at it, it's it's immaterial. The Browns are in the business of Deshaun. They've already okay. got ninety two million dollars invested in him. They've got one hundred and thirty eight right. more million dollars that they're going to invest over the next three years. I think this so year's Darryl, this is this is the year to figure it out, in my year. view. Yep. So Daryl, what do you feel on this, Daryl? Well, I I I wish I could give you my gut feeling. I don't know. I, 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 I've seen him play 12 games as a Cleveland Brown, and there have been good moments, and then there right. have been some not-so-great moments where I'm sitting there wondering why they gave up six draft picks and gave him $230 million fully guaranteed. So, right. I, I, right. I, I mean, I'm not trying to duck your question. It just, I, I don't know. I no. have a 12-game sample I, I size. I get it. I get it. So, where do we go for a backup? What do, who do we get? Well, Pat, that's going to be, and I appreciate you, Pat, that's going to be one of the biggest questions of the offseason. That's why, you know, it's funny, I went over to uh, my in-law's house before the show today, and... Was that I, the first question you got asked when you walked in the door? No, what was fascinating, though, no, they, they don't care. Uh, no, no, they care, but they don't, they don't care. Uh, they're more worried about trying to make my one-year-old daughter happy in the moment. And I, I, I took their garbage cans in, right? And I'm taking their garbage cans in, and I, as a- I'm going to take it in, uh, they, had, they get the newspaper, they still get the plain dealer right to their door every day, right? And I, I was like, all right, I'll grab that as well. And so I went and I grabbed the paper. Top right corner is talking about Joe Flacco. It's like Joe Flacco's face, the top right corner of the plane dealer today. It's like, yeah, this is this is a big deal. Like finding out the backup's a big deal when you have someone in Deshaun that we don't know with the injuries. We don't know how healthy he's going to be. And I think that's why a lot of fans and a lot of people that are saying 62% would take Justin Fields over Deshaun is that Justin Fields doesn't come with the same injury concerns. And... Even if he's 20 to 25 in the NFL right now, at least you can take that to the bank. I will get it differently. For the same reason why the Bears are dumping Justin Fields is the same reason why I'm taking Deshaun Watson in this discussion. Caleb Williams can take Chicago to the Super Bowl. Justin Fields is never going to take a team to a Super Bowl. That is all but written in the stone. It's not happening. That's a, It's Baker Mayfield. You know what his limitations are. You know what he can do. And you know what he can't do. He's not taking a team to a Super Bowl. I still believe Deshaun Watson can take a team to a Super Bowl. And maybe I'm just wrong about that. And maybe time will tell that I'm historically wrong about that. I thought that, I, I, I believe in that. I thought Joe Flacco could take the Browns to the Super Bowl after that five weeks. And then the wild card game happened and that went up in smoke. Quickly. Well, it was, historically, we're rewriting that as a defensive problem, right? Like, I think I feel like the, the two interceptions weren't great, but we're kind of like, hey, the defense didn't do anybody any favors. I, and you never I, really I will never profess to be a football savant, but when you're throwing touchdowns to the other team in the third quarter of a playoff game, that's, that's not, not good. That's not great. Two one six four seven four to below 92. Justin up next. What's up, Justin? It's good, actually. How you guys doing? Oh, sorry about that, Jason. What's up? No worries. It's it's clear these sixty two percent so called Browns fans that would prefer Fields over Watson are obviously Watson haters and OSU homers. I mean, it's, it's there's there's no way you could you could want Justin Fields over Watson. I mean, the res the resumes say enough, which is why we gave up what we gave up for Watson in the first place. Yeah, Jason, I feel like I mean it's a and, and thank you, man. I do appreciate you. Wait, did he tell me his name wasn't Jason? It was Justin instead. It's Jason. It is Jason. Okay. You oh you fixed it on the screen. That's what happened there. I was like, once I once I looked at it and I was like, wait, Jason, did I mess that up? Did I not mess that up? Sorry, I don't know why that cared to me, but it, it, it mattered to me in the moment. All right. The Ohio State fan element of this, I think, is clearly impacting our polling. Okay. It's not impacting my own uh polling, and I'm 
I mean, I'm sitting here wearing an Ohio State sweatshirt. I know. And every time they do something well in a college football game, you do the OH thing on the Twitter. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yes. So, um, because it's fun in gift form. I like when you put it out in gift form and you got the little people and they do the O and the H. It's kind of fun. Exactly. I think it's a pretty solid bit that I came up with. It's festive. And, you, and, you do it a and, lot. And, well, I you I get your tweets right to my phone. You're and, you're one of the people that anytime you tweet goes right to my phone. I'm sorry. You're on a list of like seven people in life that that happens to, and so well, I'm, I'm that's very that's your fault. I'm very familiar with your bits, Daryl. <laughs> that's your fault. <laughs> I know. I, well, after today, you might be taken off of it. I'm not okay. sure. No, 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 no. I like you on Twitter's the point. Okay. Uh, you, do not, good, you do good information. Um, I'm never going to be out of the loop if I have that. I have. I, I would say this. As and a, that's why Daryl being on this segment is brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. As the unofficial Buckeye honk of the radio station that I am, um, I am not blinded by the OHIO, Carmen, Ohio, fight the team across the field. None of that matters in my calculus with Justin Fields. And yeah, Browns. because you're smart and you are separating. Well, well let's the, not get too carried away with the smart. But, but you're, you're, you know. you're separating the NFL Again, Justin I, Fields from the college Justin I, Fields. And I know why that's hard for people. I'm not saying you're stupid if you're not, because I know why that's hard for people. But Justin Fields is not the quarterback he was at Ohio State. It's a much different game right. in the NFL. And he's not doing it the same way that he did in, in the college game. Uh, again, a I, different guy. I try to live in reality when it comes to Browns-related items. And I just don't think, even if like, I, I, I don't know that it's an Ohio State thing, though, Daryl. And I'm sorry to cut you off there. I, I don't know it's Ohio State thing. I oh, wonder. I, I absolutely. I think, think it's that, a part of it. I think it's it's part of it. I think I it, think the injuries is a I big think part. Ja- of it too. I think Jason might have hit the nail on the head, though. I think it's a combination of, uh, you know, fans that are not on board with Deshaun Watson or that are still skeptical uh, with what Deshaun Watson's going to be able to do for the team. A uh, combination of, you know, Justin Fields fans from his time at Ohio State, combination of feeling that Justin Fields got the short end of the stick in Chicago and that they ruined him and he was never set up uh, to succeed. He was set up for failure. I think all of that plays into the results of the poll that we're getting right now. But I'm here to tell you that I don't think that the Browns would be better off with Justin Fields than they would Deshaun Watson. Jim, quickly, up next on the fan. What's up, Jim? Yeah, I just, I think we're trapped in it. You know, I mean, there's no way to cut ties. I mean, you're better off with the financial commitment to just stick with Watson for another year. But the main point I wanted to make for Deshaun, and I hope he hears it, is that he does not run smart. He does not get down to preserve himself for the team, knowing how badly we need him and can't do without him and make it where we want to go. You know, and it just, I don't know. I'm not. He's got to protect himself. That's fair. He, he does. And, and I mean, the last, think of the teams that relied on running quarterbacks and where they ended up after those guys were gone. They just kept waiting and waiting for them to lead them where they wanted to go. And, I mean, Jalen Hurts. Jim, I got. Jim, I, I, I got to let you go. You're you breaking know? up a little bit, and it sounds like you're at Area 51. So I got. I got to let you go a little bit. But I think your point was made. Deshaun's got to work on that. He's got to work on being able to protect himself a little bit better. I think he'll be the first one to tell you that. And I bet he will tell us that. And that guy. And that came up uh, at the combine this week too. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I, know, I don't make a habit of ordering my pancakes from fast food restaurants. I don't either. I know, I'm I know just people, saying. I know the people, people that are saying that. Oh, me and Contino. I guess we don't. I guess we don't go down that road. I got a lot of time in the morning. Listen to Ken and Anthony. Make some breakfast. It's a nice, nice. I ease into my day. I gotta, I gotta make breakfast for my daughter anyway, 
And I, I think I, I'm creating a breakfast snob out of her is what I'm doing. But I had noticed earlier today I just made her eggs because I had a lot to do in this morning. Get it ready and, you know, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the hop when I'm doing afternoon drive, right? And I, I saw the look she gave me when I didn't have avocado next to the eggs. It was a look. It was like, oh, well, you're missing the green part of this. Where's, where's the rest of the meal? Like, all right, all right. You, think, it, you think it's bad now? I Listen, I, <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, add, add a decade to it and then get back to us. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Wouldn't trade it for the world, Daryl. It's one of life's joys. One of life's joys. No, I'm not I'm not even gonna play the the part of the the person on air that's like, ah, why why did I have children or anything like that? That's not me. By the way, I'm gonna put a poll I'm out. Very happy I have the child. Do you eat microwave pancakes? Oh, I thought you're gonna say is, is Jonathan okay? happy he had a child? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that one yes. And after the Justin Fields poll, I don't know how people are gonna respond. Yeah, microwave pancakes. Put it on the poll and we'll get this thing going. Uh Daryl, I do want your opinion on Caitlin Clark though. Because uh, I didn't let you get it off. We were we ran up against it with the pulse here. I, I am emphatic, and I, listen, I, I can't explain why. I think it's got to be something with the branding of the teams. I'm not sure. I can get behind watching Iowa on television. For some reason, watching the New York Liberty or the Chicago Sky, I just don't have that same investment. And so maybe what I think I'm trying to say is that the WNBA hasn't built enough for me in the time that it's been around. It's been around since 1996. It has not built up enough for me to be like, I'm invested in your outcomes. Whereas women's college basketball, I know there's history there. And I know you're playing for something. Something that actually tangibly matters. And so I think maybe that might be the difference here. Were you a UConn women's fan? Actually, I was a big anti-Gino guy. I didn't like Gino. Mainly because of how he handled the situation with Ella Della Don, but that's a different story for a different time. But I never liked Gino. Gino was like this cultish, big women's college basketball head coach, and he had this following of people that just—I mean, he was—he was at a time everything I thought that was wrong with the sport, while then being the only representation for the sport that truly broke through on a national level. And so, yeah, the wrong person to ask me about because I'm not a big Gino guy. Well, I didn't ask you about Gino. You said, I said you said UConn basketball. Right. UConn basketball is Gino. Okay. The same way Coach K is Duke. The same That's way fair. Jim Beheim is Syracuse. That's fair. Okay. All right. But Sorry. What was your point? You, my point was, you know, the UConn the, women's. Did I just go too deep in college, women's college basketball? Is that what happened there? Probably. I'll do a Nick Wilson. I, I, I blacked out. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but my point is, is that a lot of women's college basketball fans were generated because of the dominance of UConn. Every year, death taxes in UConn winning the women's Final Four was a thing, right? Um, I, I feel like, you know, players like Caitlin Clark are drawing the audience to women's college basketball. There's going to come a time, like, this city is going to be bonkers in about a month when the women's Final Four is here, okay? It's going to be packed with fans, not just of the the four teams participating but women's college basketball fans. And I, my prediction is that, and, and I don't know when, but there's going to come a time where having an arena is not going to be enough to lure a women's Final Four. They're going to have to put them in domes because of players like Caitlin Clark. Now, I don't know who the next Caitlin oh, Clark is going to be. domes for college basketball. I, I, look, I do too, but what's it all about? It's about the, the, the bottom line and the dollar, right? I know. Just, when I was in Houston, I went to a Final Four that was there, and right. the dome was just awful. I just awful. Again. Awful experience. I 
I'm not disputing it. No, and okay. I'm not disputing your okay. point either. I get it. You're like, right. You're right. It's trending in a good there's, direction. There's if there's money to be made, the NCAA is going to find a way to make that money. And I think that the popularity, thanks in part to Caitlin Clark of women's college basketball, is going to allow them to do that. I'm not saying that it's a great thing for the sport as far as the fan experience goes. It sucks if you're a fan. I always joke when I see my buddies and they send me pictures from the Final Four. I'm like, ah, did you take your telescope with you so you could actually see what's going on on the floor? <laughs> like, I am uh, seeing everything perfectly fine, sitting in my recliner, watching on my 70-inch TV in my living room. I see perfectly fine. In fact, I get nice close-up shots. of. I could tell you what species of wood they've used on the floor. Like, mm-hmm. it's that clear. But um, I have no desire to go to a Final Four just because of that. The fan, the fan experience is terrible. You can't see anything. But my point is that when you have transcendent players like her, it allows for the sport to grow. UConn's women's basketball, you know, for as dominant as they were, helped the sport grow. Um, and you're, that's why you're seeing where, wherever Caitlin Clark plays, the arenas are selling out. So, yeah, I think that um, when she goes to the WNBA, that, yeah, she'll draw crowds. Now, is she going to draw the same uh, crowds as a, 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 a an NBA player like a LeBron James or a Tim Duncan, you know, those those generational players that come out in the draft. I don't know about that, but she is going to help the WNBA make some money. Yeah, I mean, I looked it up earlier. The average WNBA attendance for a game is about 6,500, and on the high end... Which I believe the Lake Erie Monsters draw more than that. Do they really? Average. More I than 6,500? Or the Cleveland Monsters, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting they ch- changed their name to Cleveland Monsters. We all knew what but, you meant. They, really, they, they get average more than 6,500? They're one of the best attended in the AHL. In the AHL, they are uh, usually atop the uh, the attendance rankings. Yeah, but the, the highest, I saw it again earlier, the highest for women for the women's game was about, for like whatever individual team it was, was about just over 9,000 right. per game. It's not, it's not a tiny number, but what's that number go with Caitlin Clark then? Are we going to follow Caitlin Clark all throughout her career, or does it only matter when Caitlin Clark goes up against Angel Reese, let's say? Like, how are we well, going to do this? Well, you talk about the— uh, I, I can't envision myself watching a WNBA game. It's not because I don't like women's you know sports. I just—I'm not invested in the WNBA the same way that I would be, let's say, the college game because of the program. Well, and I think that this is something where the NBA, uh, they did a great job with the Steph v. Sabrina at the, the, the All-Star uh, weekend festivities, right? All-Star Saturday night, which I honestly felt that that competition should have ended the night instead of the dunk it contest. It was a much better, they, yes, much better competition. They, they should have ended it with that. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'd love to see Caitlin Clark uh, next year versus whether it's Steph or another uh, NBA three-point. I, th- I think that because that promotes the, the WNBA as much as they – and it was compelling too. Like Sabrina almost won that. Right. Right. She, no, she she pushed stuff to the limits. So, so um, yeah, I, I do feel like that there's absolute room for growth uh, in because women's I, professional I think basketball. some of the hook around Caitlin Clark and why it's working for the women's college game is the idea that we've seen her now for four years. Right. We saw Angel Reese for four years, and there's not a lot of movement in the women's college game because nobody, uh, with the exception of the big, big stars that we're talking about, is making NIL money. So you get into a program, and you stay in that program for four years. Right. And it's the one area of sports that we have, that we t- and like area that we talk about, that still has that. You know, men's college basketball doesn't have that. Men's college basketball, you go to Duke to be a point guard. They want to make you a shooting guard. You leave and you transfer to UConn. You know what I mean? Like, they're 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 one and done. And if they're not one and done, then the next year they're gone for, to a different program. We just don't have that. It's not the same. And, and I think the movement on the men's side is something that has completely tanked 
the interest in the college basketball game, again, from the men's side, the women's side, it's just not there. And you're seeing these athletes and they're staying for four years and you're really watching them grow with the program. And I feel like we've been talking about Caitlin Clark. It feels like for a million years. And well, and I think also part of the reason why is because it's not life-changing money in the WNBA. You made the point yourself, mm-hmm. you know, average salaries in WNBA for is around $250,000. Well, yes, that is a good living. I love to make 250 grand a year. Um but, you know, in the realm of pro sports, that's minimum wage. Well, and in the college game, she might be making more through her different endorsements but and everything, gonna, and that's kind of the question. She's she's going to endorsements that, should travel with her, but how long would they travel with? She, she's going to make that in the in the WMA. But, she, but for she how might long, make though? she might make even more. But for how long though? Like, like if she goes to the WNBA and there's people like me that say they just won't watch WNBA games, how if long she is she play- going to be that marketable? It, it, as long as she plays well. And I know that's a very cold and callous response, but that is the reality, right? Like LeBron James, when he came out, he got that Nike contract and whatever. If LeBron James... I mean, is, is, his is, first- is Sabrina Ionescu, is she, is she in commercials that I don't know about? I, I, I don't know. But I, my, my point, though, is it, like if LeBron didn't perform, right? If he didn't yeah. become an all-star, he didn't become a transcendent player, His he wouldn't have the empire that he has today. So if Caitlin Clark goes to the WNBA and she plays at the same level, if not better than what we've seen her play at Iowa, she's going to make money. She's going to have sponsors. She's going to have endorsements. There's no question about that. Right, but but again, like we have no history, though, of the women's game actually being able to deliver on that, even if you are say- great. Who's to say she can't change it? That's the que- that's the whole question. That's the basis of the question is whether or not she'll be the one that actually tips the scales in favor of the WNBA. And this could be like a watershed moment for the WNBA where you can make that transition from the college game to the women's game, uh, like the pro game, and be able to make not only just as much money, but more money and stay culturally relevant. I think the worry if I was... Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, any of these these women. Why should she? Let me ask you. Let me, players, let me turn around. My, my relevance will stay. Let me turn around. On it. Why should she stay? Okay, so she's getting this extra because COVID. She'd have this extra year of eligibility, right? Which I didn't right? know about until Keith pointed out to me yesterday. Okay, I didn't know that. so yeah. here's my question to you: Why should she stay at Iowa? I know. I don't think. I don't think she will. No, 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 no. This isn't about what she will do. I'm I think there's things you, that. I think there's things what that. What would the happen? motivation be for her to stay at Iowa? What's the motivation for her to to use? Well, you that keep extra you year? keep your relevancy. It's a, guarantee, it's a guarantee you're, you're going to keep your relevancy when you go to the WNBA. That's not though. a guarantee, though. We don't have a history of that being a guarantee. We, you go from the college game to the women game, and you just get forgotten about. Historically, you get forgotten about. I don't even know if it's just about that for me. Like, I'm not saying it's the wrong move to go to the WNBA. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.